You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's the kick now. The pitch, fastball, is hit in the air to left center field. Robles calling for it. He's under it waiting, and he makes the catch! He makes the catch! Bang! Zoom down! Chris Townsend. How good was that last night? Unbelievable. Another wild card team shocks us and gets to the World Series. How historic is it? Well, the last time the Nats were in the World Series as the Washington Senators in our nation's capital, you got to go all the way back to 1933. 1933. Are you kidding me? What a show we got for you today. Bob Nightingale from the USA Today at 115. Scott Miller from Bleach Report and Sirius XM at 130. The Hall of Famer. One of the great comeback stories in A's history. A man who had an illustrious career. You see him on FS1. Neutrogenics has a pain-relieving cream out, and says that 2006 could have been the most most favorite year of his career. The Hall of Famer, Frank Thomas, we're adding another Hall of Famer to the list. Susan Slusser will be here at 2.30, and then Will Leach will be here at 3 o'clock. And I got to tell you, so much to talk about with all of our guests. And it was a, a an, it was a really fun night last night in baseball because just to see the emotions, just to see how happy, you know, the Nats had struggled so much in series. They had struggled so much in winning big games and disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. They lose their best player in Bryce Harper in division. Think about that. Bryce Harper said, you know what? I'm going to go to somewhere where I'm going to have a better chance to win. It might have been I'm getting more money. But he's like, I'm out of here. And Bryce Harper leaves the Nationals, and the Nationals end up winning 
the National League without him as he hits sits, sits home. Happy birthday, Bryce, as it is Bryce Harper's birthday today. What do you think he's thinking right now at his home in Las Vegas? It reminds me of Albert Pujols in St. Louis. Remember, Albert Pujols leaves, St. Louis keeps winning. Alberts won nothing in Anaheim. You think about the Nationals. They took the field at Nationals Park on May 24th with a 19-31 and record through the first 50 games. That stinks. They're 19-31. and On that date, they rallied back to beat the Marlins. They were down 8-4. to Juan Soto, the new Bryce Harper, hits a go-ahead three-run homer in the eighth. They win 12-10. to it was a stretch that saw them go 74 and 38, including their seven of nine postseason wins. They're 81 and 40. That's the best record in baseball. Well, obviously, because not everybody's still playing. But in that time, you think about that 81 and 40 since they went 19 and 31. They are the third wild card team to w- to reach the World Series since the second wild card was added in 2012. Their pitching staff is nasty. The only thing I don't want to happen at this point and it has happened in the past, it's happened to a lot of different teams, is that you get out and you win early and then you struggle in the World Series. Since 2006, only twice has the team that's clinched the pennant to go to the World Series first has gone on to win the World Series. That's not good news. Think about that. 2006, we're in 2019, only the 08 Phillies and the 18 Red Sox were able to do it. And unfortunately today, we will get into the Yankees and the Astros They had, uh, checking last night, something that we don't see often, 100% chance of rain today in New York. 100. And they punched the game. So today will be a day off. The forecast looks good the next two days. And, oh, look at this. We don't actually need a day off in the playoffs. Why? Because television can still make it happen because that's how our game works. Remember the A's in September played 16 straight games? Yeah, you don't you need you don't need to worry about television during the regular season. All of a sudden all they do is worry about television in the postseason. We're going to have four straight games in the ALCS. No breaks. Granted that the Yankees win one. Yankees got to win one to make sure. But if the Yankees are able to win one, you're going to have two in New York fly so you'll have Thursday, Friday, New York, fly to Houston after the game in New York, and then you'll play Saturday and Sunday in Minute Maid Park there in Houston. So, unfortunately, wanted to talk to you about a big game today. It really now sets up for the Astros. This extra day, if you're the New York Yankees, woo, we will get into that. But we got to start with this Nationals team is nasty, and it starts on the mound. The last three starts 
for the Nats. Think about this. Mad Max, 11 Ks. Strasburg, 12 Ks. Corbin, 12 Ks. They're the first team in Major League Baseball postseason history with 11 or more Ks in three straight games. They give you dominance on the mound. They give you they give you innings, which is key, which I cannot wait to bring you up a townie metric today. That I it make it may make Commander Cody quit. This might be his last day on the job. Tell tell me who tell, you're trying to show me a text and I have no idea who it's from. So Bob Nightingale just texted me and asked if we can push back to four forty five Eastern, so one forty five our time. Is he in what New York? What say you? Yeah, him and Scott Miller are both covering this series, and and the Big Hurt. So we got, or they're all covering the Astros Yankees. Oh, so well, it would go Scott Miller, Bob Nightingale, Big Hurt, Frank Thomas. I don't care. All right, okay, that's just checking. I, you know, we, you know, you have no folks. We're here at the Jack London offices for the Oakland Athletics. And let, let me tell you, it's um, it's incredible. Like all of a sudden, I'm I'm, and I'm very I'm very happy for our boss, the professor Matt Pearl, who Matt Pearl came to us from covering the Nats, producing their television broadcast on is it Masson is what it is there in uh, our nation's capital? Correct, Masson. And Mid Atlantic Sports Network, I think it's called. He he went through some really bad years. Like he he was he was there through like really bad. Like you know, they're they're coming over from Montreal. They were they were bad. So I know it means a lot to him. He grew up in that area, and I'm a big DC guy. I'm taking the kids to DC in February. I just did the DC trip last year, where I went from Baltimore. Took Amtrak down to our nation's capital. Hey, can I get on the board of Amtrak like uh, Hunter Biden since I rode Amtrak? Can I get on that too? Yeah. Well, I mean, he got on it. I mean, maybe can I get on it? Be a lot of fun. My, my first trip to D.C. was last year as well. First trip ever. I Were lived, you on Amtrak? No, I, we drove from Pittsburgh, but I lived in Pittsburgh for 24 years. I never once went to D.C. You never once went to no. D.C.? My first time in Philadelphia was also last year. And well, you grew up in Pennsylvania. Yeah, well, no one from Pittsburgh likes to go to Philadelphia, and people from Philadelphia don't like to come to Pittsburgh. It's just a well, mutual Pits- hatred. Well, no, because Pittsburgh really is the Midwest. All right, here it's we on go. The, it's, on West, it's on the western side of Pennsylvania. You're basically Midwest. I see the logic, but I like to say I'm from, I'm from the East Coast. I'm okay, from Pennsylvania. All right, all right. If you've never been, I got to tell you, you take the train down, and you, you get off at the train station, Washington, D.C., it is so old-school historic. And the minute, and it, the minute you walk out of the front door, you see the Capitol building. And I walk down to the Capitol building, and you, you've seen it a bazillion times, whether on television, whether movies, and you stand in front of the Capitol building, and you're you're just mes- mesmerized by it, mesmerized. And then you turn around, and you know you're looking on your phone, and you're like, oh my god. Right behind you is the U.S. Supreme Court. And then all of a sudden you Uber down and there's the Treasury Building. Then there's the White House. The White House 
When I was there last year, the White House, it was Christmas time, right before Christmas. You can't believe how white the White House is. It's like someone like dipped it in Clorox and bleach. And they had the reefs and they had the, the Christmas trees. I mean, it's 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 breathtaking. All the Smithsonian's and everything. Washington, D.C. is an incredible town. And obviously what it means to our country. But from a sports standpoint, you got to realize how bad they had struggled. The Washington Wizards, you like to call them the Bullets from back in the day. They had one since the 70s. You know, the Redskins haven't won since Joe Gibbs, which is really one of the great runs of all time. Joe Gibbs, Hall of Famer Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls as a head coach and did it with three different quarterbacks. Absolutely amazing. When you think of Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, Mark Rippon, but that last one against the Bills, that was in the early 90s. And the only reason I know much about the Washington Capitals, that's hockey, by the way, for us baseball fans, is because of the professor, our our boss, Matt Pearl, two years ago, game seven was, we watched it in the treehouse with his brother and watched the Capitals finally bring a championship to our nation's capital. And the history that's around, you know, presidents that have thrown out the first pitch, you know, remember like in Baltimore when Cal Ripken was going through his streak You had President Clinton that was there. You know, all the presidents that have been involved in sports with Washington, D.C. And now the Nationals in the World Series. FDR gave his famous speech back in 1933. Hey, only four teams have reached the World Series after being 12 games below 500. That's why when we say to you all the time, you can't win the pennant, you can't win the division in the first month or the second month, but you can sure lose it. And if you're an A's fan, you know what we also can say? You can put yourself right into the wild card game with a bad stretch. And that's something that we will talk about all offseason long. Slow starts, no bueno in modern-day baseball. But coming up next, teams in recent history that have actually made the post have made the World Series for the very first time. How have they fared? We're going to tell you next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town. A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, Scott Miller is going to join us from New York. And then right after that, we're just going to tag team it. Bob Nightingale from USA Today. And then the big hurt, Frank Thomas. You know, I haven't retweeted the show yet, Commander. I apologize. Let me do that real quick. Just thought about that. Now, you might say to yourself... Oh, my God. It's rained out, and what am I going to do? 
I don't know. If I'm going to take a rain out in a city, I'll take a rain out in New York any day of the week. I mean, all of a sudden, all you got to do is they'll have the manager come out. He'll talk. And Aaron Boone said this. And I have I have a I have a metric that is really going to disturb the commander today. And it's really going to, you know, it's it, it's the metric that really is the ointment, the fly what how should I say it? The fly in the ointment to what a lot of people think these days. But Aaron Boone had something to say that I totally agree with. He was asked how important it will be to get length out of their starters with a possibility of up to four games in a row in an ALCS. He said, quote, we're going to have to get some innings out of our starters. There's no question about it. Masa, which is Masahiro Tanaka, is coming off a real good start in game one where he was able to give us six innings. Between him and Paxton, the next two days, they're going to need to give us some innings if we're going to be successful. But wait a minute, I thought the Yankees were built on their bullpen. It was all about the bullpen. Uh Uh-huh. More on that a little bit later. And did you see, if you watch the game, you know the one thing I didn't check in this game was length of time? Because when you got these really good games, you're not, I I will admit, I I, I don't even pay attention to the length of the game when you're going, when it's going as good as it does, but we will get into a little bit later. The rumors that the ball has changed in the postseason, And if any game that I've seen outside of the Dodgers and the Cardinals yesterday's game at Yankee stadium, when DD hit that ball off Cole, With two runners on, you immediately thought that the Yankees were going to be up three to two. That ball's gone. And then all of a sudden, our guy Josh Reddick is standing there right in front of the fence. It's out. And then it was like, wow. There were two different balls like that in that game other than the one to Didi. Maldonado was another one to left field where off the bat, looks like it's gone. Everybody thinks it's gone. Next thing you know, it's at the warning track. That game yesterday was the game that makes you think something's going on. But here's a little stat I found for you. We are now down to only one team to not make the World Series. Every single team don't want to hear about any expansion excuses, how long you've been around. Speaking about being around, there was some really cool notable stuff from yesterday. On this date, October 15th. Yesterday, on this date, 1923, the Yankees beat the New York Giants in Game 6 of the World Series to clinch their first of 27 titles. That happened yesterday in 1923. The team in the A's division, the Seattle Mariners, who have had Hall of Famers, who have had Hall of Famers playing at the same time. 
I mean, at one point, you you had, if A-Rod could get in, we don't know how A-Rod's, we don't know how A-Roid's future is going to be. But you had Randy Johnson as a pitcher. You had King Griffey Jr. Edgar's, Edgar Martinez has now gone in. A-Rod, if he never got popped, would go in. You'd have four Hall of Famers on one team, and they still are the only team out of the 30. You name it. Give me a team. They've been to the World Series. Everybody. A lot have won it, but everybody's been there. With the Nationals going, and that'll count for your Expos, because remember, the Senators team, they end up becoming the Minnesota Twins. Twins have been there. Hell, the Rays have been there. Marlins have won it. Padres have been there. Rangers, Astros. I mean, you name it. Everybody's been there. White Sox, Brewers, Harvey's Wall Bangers back in the day. Everybody's been to the World Series with the Seattle Mariners. Isn't that crazy? Everybody has been there but the Seattle Mariners. Only one team. And by the way, they're not going there anytime soon. Thinking in the NFL. Is there anybody in the NFL, like Detroit hasn't been to the Super Bowl? How many how many teams in the NFL have not been to the Super Bowl? Uh, Texans. Okay, an expansion team. Detroit hasn't been. Detroit, the Texans. Uh, the, I think the Panthers have gone to the Super Bowl Panthers twice. Panthers been there? The Jags. Jags have never been there. Jags. Okay, that's three. That's an expansion team again, but whatever. If you're thinking of just, that's an old expansion. Now. If you're thinking of regular teams, um, I think they've all pretty much been there. They've right? all pretty much right. You know, I'm gonna look just. I'm just gonna look at the NFL standings real quick. Rams, Seahawks, 49ers. Okay, that- Patriots, Bills, Jets, Dolphins. Yes, Ravens, Browns. No, Steelers. Yes, Bengals. Yes, Bengals losing twice to the 49ers to the San Francisco 49ers. Texans. No, Colts. Yes, Jags. No. Titans, yes. Chiefs, yes. The greatness. I'm just going by the standings, the greatness of the Raiders. By the Raiders this weekend, we're all going to, a bunch of us going to Lambeau Field this weekend. Yeah, I, I don't say a bunch. I, I'm not included in that trip. Well, you're not, you're not a Raider fan. I don't, I'm not a Raider hater either. You're not going. Uh, Broncos, yes. Chargers, yes. Eagles. So now we go to the NFC East. Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Redskins, yes. Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions, no. Saints, Panthers, Buccaneers, Falcons, yes. 49ers, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals, yes. So So, we're we're looking at the Lions. So basically only the Lions in the NFC are the only teams that have never gone to the Super Bowl. Only the Lions. Now the Lions, now what's kind of not fair about this is that we don't count NFL titles as Super Bowls to where World Series, we count all the way back to the first World Series. The Lions have won the NFC title before, I believe multiple times, with the great Bobby Lane, guy who uh, liked to hang out night before games. But I'm saying never make the big game, 
Jags have never made the big game. That's, you know, because they weren't around before the end. They almost won a couple years ago if they didn't fall apart in the second half against the Patriots. So that's a trip. There's only one team now to have never made the World Series. But World Series appearances. Okay, so four teams recently have made their first World Series appearance. How have they fared? Commander? 2010 Rangers uh, lost. They lost to the San Francisco Giants. 2008 Tampa Bay Rays lost to the Phillies. 2007 Colorado Rockies. They lost to the Red Sox. 2005 Houston Astros lost to the White Sox. And who was the hero? Blummer. Our guy Jeff Blum. So, for the Nats, right now, history is not on their side. Last four teams to make their first appearance, 2010 Rangers, 2008 Rays, 2007 Rockies, 2005 Astros. They've all, they've all lost. And I gave you the other one, 2006. Since then, teams that have clinched first, only two have won since 2006. 08 Phillies, 18 Red Sox. So right there, those two stats tell you right out of the gate that history, recent history, is not on the national side. But I will what I will like about the Nationals is the fact that they'll be the underdog. And honestly, they've got nothing to lose. They has they have absolutely nothing to lose. By the way, there's a new skipper. There's a new sheriff in town. In the AL West, what is it going to matter? We'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay. Ace Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, I want you guys to think about one thing for the next couple days. Because of this rainout at Yankee Stadium, the Yankees will need to beat the Astros, where they're going up against Grinky. They're going to be going up against Verlander. And they're going to go up against Cole. They will have to beat the Astros three out of four games if they're going to win the world, if they're going to get to the World Series. I mean, seriously. Good luck on that one. I mean, th- 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 this rain out is helping them like you wouldn't believe. So we're going to game four, which will be Grinky. Going to game five, which will be Verlander. What are you doing game six? Are we calling Scott Miller? 
Scott Miller from Bleach Report is going to tell us all about what he thinks about Joe Madden becoming the new skipper of the Angels. Do we have Scott? Scott, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Chris. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. And by the way, if you're going to get rained out in any city and have a free night, I think New York's the best place to have it. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, I'd probably be enjoying the free day more if I – um, if, if I didn't have a bunch of logistical reservations to make reservations, one, one thing you have to do, of course, is, uh, now there's a game on Friday. So I, you know, Friday was the travel day. So there was a plane flight to cancel on Friday, another flight to make on Saturday to make sure we get to Houston in time. And, uh, then after that, you mentioned Joe Madden. I'm, uh, finishing up a column on Joe Madden in my hotel room right now. And uh, I have a radio interview with you right now, and maybe eventually I'll get out to uh, enjoy an off day in New York, but I've been in my hotel all day. (laughs) Well, don't worry. It's a city that never sleeps, so you'll have your opportunity. And let's talk about that. Joe Madden came up in this organization. He still has the home. I think it's around Long Beach or Sill Beach. And we know what a great manager he is, but they still have a lot of issues there. How do you feel this fit is between Joe Madden, Billy Epler, and the Angels? Well, they, uh, yeah, you're right. There are a ton of issues around the Angels right now. This is going to be a very difficult job for Joe Madden. The pitching is lacking. They've lost 90 games last year for the first time in 20 years. Um, you know, Billy Epler, the general manager, just has one year left on his contract. And, of course, uh, there's the, you know, almost unspeakable, tragic, circumstances going on in the organization right now where you know Tyler Skaggs died unexpectedly over the summer during the season and you know now there's the DEA investigation and one of the Angels former media relations uh, officials admitted uh, in in testimony to the DEA that he supplied Tyler Skaggs with some opioids and he says some other guys on the team and ex-Angels were using opioids so um, it's a tough 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 time right now in Angels history. Um, You almost have to put all that horrible off the field, so to speak, uh, drug stuff to one side and just figure that is going to run its course. However, the, you know, federal investigation, uh, wherever it goes. And so Joe Madden is, you know, I think a couple things. He's going to do what he can do baseball-wise. There's not much he can do, obviously, with the Fed federal investigation. Um, but he's got enough of a winning personality, and he's smart enough that I think having him in place will at least give the Angels uh, some pretty good PR and at least have a good PR guy as manager at a time when they really need it. Yeah, then he even saw a guy that ended up with the A's at at the end of this year pitching for the Las Vegas Aviators. Matt Harvey is talking with the with the DA. Yep. So I mean, oh, this is this is some really rough times in Anaheim and of course, you know, we could be looking at lawsuits from the Skaggs family. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, they said earlier the mother, I think it was, maybe through the lawyer said earlier in the summer, a few, a month or so after Skaggs' death, you know, they, you know, somebody in his camp dropped the bombshell that, that they had word that somebody internally from the angels might've 
supplied skags with some of this stuff and you know when you first heard that you were like oh my gosh you know that's uh, that's bombshell stuff and of course now a couple months later this some of this stuff's come out and it looks like indeed um you know some others in the organization were were uh, involved so uh you know where it all goes it's hard to say um but it's you know it's just so many lives right now well tyler skaggs obviously lost his life and there are so many other lives right now that are at stake in terms of, uh, you know, reputations and, and, and prison time and all kinds of other things. So the Angels finished 72 and 90, but when you have the best player in the game, Shohei Otani's going to come back. It's going to be really fascinating to see how much he's going to pitch, how much he's going to hit, but we know he's legit doing both. Uh, a lot of people feel Garrett Cole possibly could be coming back home to Orange County as a free agent after this World Series. Joe Madden, a three-time manager of the year, do you think he'll be able to turn it around in a division that will still be loaded with the Houston Astros and the Oakland Athletics? Yeah, that's exactly right. Those two teams uh, have it going right now. Um, I think Joe, with some help, will be able to turn it around. I don't think you know, it's not going to be an overnight uh, turnaround where all of a sudden in 2020 they're uh, challenging for the division title. It's going to be more gradual than that. Um, but that said, I think, uh, you know, look, he's won everywhere he's gone, right? I mean, he, he was first hired in Tampa Bay in 2006, and people thought, oh, you know, to that point the Rays were just cellar dwellers, you know. Um, but with some good, smart front office help from guys like Andrew Friedman, uh, you know, Madden changed the culture in Tampa Bay, and he led the Rays to their first World Series in 2008. You know, they lost to the Phillies, but, you know, nobody would have ever dreamed that the Rays would get to a World Series. Then, obviously, he, you know, went to Chicago, and everybody knows that story, that, uh, you know, the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 to break a, a you know, 108-year drought. So, you know, two franchises, Joe Madden's taken over, Two franchises have started winning, winning big. Both have gone to the World Series. So, you know, another challenge for Joe, and I don't see why he can't uh, conquer this one as well. Let's get back to the uh, ALCS. If the game was going to be played today, this was a good chance it was going to be a bullpen game. But but now with the rain out, you're going to get another legit matchup between Tanaka and Grinky. And with the rain out, Scott, the Yankees are going to need to take three of four if they're going to move on, which will be very tough because you'll still have Verlander and Cole after Grinky. Yeah, it, you, that's a fact. And it's I think the rain out uh, favors the Astros also, not just because of that, but you know the one clear strength the Yankees have, at least are supposed to have, is uh, is the bullpen and. Uh, you know, that's why I thought losing game two was so crucial to the Yankees, uh, such a blow to their hopes, because, you know, they got Verlander out of game two with a tie game. It was two to two. And they, you know, the way the script has been written, uh, once it turns into a bullpen game, which game two did after Verlander left, you know, the Yankees, that should be to their advantage. And they missed an opportunity by losing game two. And so there's that. But the reason I think the rainout is a disadvantage for the Yankees is if you still think the bullpen is advantage Yankees, well, losing that day off in the middle of games 
five and six, um, that's a recovery day for bullpen guys. You know, now they've got to play four days in a row. There's not a day off in the middle by which bullpen guys could get a day off to regroup. So the Yankees, you know, they're going to need a really, really good start from uh, Tanaka tomorrow night. And by good, I mean a deep start. You know, they really need him to go seven or eight innings um, because they're going to have to figure out, Aaron Boone's going to have to figure out a way to keep his bullpen guys fresh. So let's just say the Yankees are going to have to go back. They They get a game here, and they're going to go back, and they're going to play in Houston. So would game six be a bullpen game for both teams? You know, that's the, that's what it looks like right now. Um, yeah, because Granky goes game five or game four. Game Wait, game four. Game four, yeah. Yep. And then uh, Verlander would be set up to go on regular rest in game five, correct? That's Friday. He pitched Sunday. Um, but Garrett Cole just pitched the other day. So, yeah, game six, um, yeah, it, that will be really strange because – you know, both teams had thought they might need a bullpen game like game four. And that's unusual enough in the American League Championship Series. You get this deep into the playoffs, you know, unless you're Tampa Bay, you don't really see many bullpen games. But both teams were going to have to do that in game four. The rain, as you say, makes it game six. And that, that's, uh, boy, that's talk about a wild scenario there. Uh, unbelievable. And then let's go over to... The Washington Nationals. We're going to have a World Series in our nation's capital for the first time since 1933. And the Nationals show us once again, your best reliever, Scott, is a starting pitcher. They're starting pitching. The depth that they've given them has just been fantastic. It has been. And, and you know, and they've used both Patrick Corbin and, and Max Scherzer in relief as well in, in uh, the division series against the Dodgers. Uh, you know, Strasburg was using uh, relief. So they're basically, the Nationals' game plan is, you know, get use as few pitchers as possible. That's going to, the deeper we get into the postseason, I think the more difficult that's going to be because eventually Strasburg and Scherzer, you know, they're, the, the, they're going to be fatigued. Adrenaline can only catch you, can only take you so far. But, you know, outside of the starters, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, and Annabelle Sanchez, you know, they're really the only bullpen guys they trust are are uh, Daniel Hudson, the closer, and Sean Doolittle, the lefty setup guy. We've seen a little bit of Tanner Rainey, but um, you know, that's about it. So they've got they're trying to get through this thing with seven pitchers. Which our guy Ray Fossey will tell you back in the seventies, the A's got through a tile World Series with just five pitchers, so uh, it has been done. But that was a long, long time ago. And today is Bryce Harper's birthday. How do you think Bryce Harper feels waking up today on his birthday, and the team that he left is going to the World Series? <laughs> well, I have a feeling he probably even stayed up and watched it last night and knew about that before he woke up on his birthday. But you never know. Uh, what, whenever Bryce watched it, I'm sure he's got mixed emotions, but I'm sure the, the emotions where he feels, uh, hollow and left out, I'm sure those are, uh, overtaking things today. Does it remind you a little bit about how Albert Pujols left St. Louis and how St. Louis kept winning? And, you know, if you look at the future, 
You know, Albert Pool Albert Pool has won nothing in Anaheim. No, he didn't. They've, uh, he and Mike Trout both have only played in three playoff games in Anaheim, and it was back in 2015 or 14, and Kansas City Royals swept them. So, um, yeah, it, it's that's the one thing about these high-priced guys. I mean, you know, Bryce Harper is certainly a marquee box office star, um, you know, but it's not like the NBA where, you know, if you recruit LeBron James um, – other than if you're the Lakers, if you if you're Miami or Cleveland and you recruit LeBron James, that can turn the franchise around and win it for you. Uh, you know, you need more than just a Bryce Harper or a Manny Machado in baseball. And the one thing that I, I do worry about for the Nats, because history recently shows you, if you win early and have to sit around and wait, it does not bode well for you. But I look on the flip side for the national starters – It'll be nice to get Scherzer a little bit more rest, Strasburg a little bit more rest. How do you feel about them clinching so early? Yeah, I mean, you said it. You look back over history, um, um, you know, the the, the the 06 Tigers clinched and had to wait seven or eight days, and they just looked horrible against the Cardinals as the Cardinals won it all. 07, the Rockies clinched early, and they had to wait eight days, and the Red Sox just chewed them up and spit them out in a four-game sweep. Um, so historically, guys, uh, you know, um, but, you know, then, then you flip it back to last year, Boston won the ALCS in five games over Houston. They had a, a, a little bit of a lengthy wait while the Dodgers were forced to a game seven by Milwaukee, and it didn't matter then you know i mean boston even with the weight one so you know i'd rather keep playing than have a long wait because baseball is a game of rhythm and timing and you know if you sit sit down and and take six or seven days off at this time of year sometimes it's hard to get that rhythm and timing back um but the thing that mitigates that is what you said i mean you know, if you, they, they, they took care of business to the point where now they're going to be able to rest their starting pitchers and, and arrange them in a rotation that they like. And that's their most precious commodity in Washington. So, you know, I think maybe that'll overtake, uh, you know, the risk of, 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 you know, the rhythm and timing being off because of the, of the layoff. You know, I, I, I'm not going to mention the guy's name, but I was talking to an A's front office person earlier today because today we're doing the show from the A's beautiful Jack London Square offices here in, in Oakland. And you can just tell that is there's such a bad taste in everybody's mouth around here about losing back-to-back wild card games, having won 97 straight, two, two straight years. But there is this feeling that look out for next year, that this team is going to be loaded. They're going to have a ton of starting pitching. They're going to have a ton of power, a ton of athleticism. I know we're still in the league championship about to go to the World Series, but just thinking about heading to the offseason, this A's team is going to be somebody to reckon with next season once again for the third straight year. Yeah, it is. I mean, the future is definitely bright, despite the, the pain of losing another wild card game. I, I think, you know, as you say, you know, Manaya is back and hopefully he stays healthy. Um, uh, you know, the, 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 the lineup, I mean, Matt Chapman is, is a, a star, you know, Matt Olson, um, you know, on and on. I was talking to a scout uh, during the postseason run here 
that was uh, just couldn't get over how impressed he was with Jesus Lizardo, uh, the lefty that was in the bullpen this year. Um, there, there's a lot of good young talent, you know, experienced talent. And, um, yep, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the only negative with Oakland right now is, is how good and how deep the Houston Astros are. But, you know, Houston can't keep winning forever. Do you think Garrett Cole will end up in, in – I know it's a tough call – end up in Anaheim or does he stay in Texas with the Houston Astros or maybe even the team he says he grew, grew up loving, the New York Yankees? Hard to say. I, the betting right now is that he's going to end up on, back in the, on the West Coast. Um, I think the Angels have a great spot. I mean, I don't know why the Angels go out and sign Joe Madden if they're not going to do – if they're not going to make other improvements to that team. I don't see the Angels sit, standing pat. And I can see uh, Artie Marino making a big financial run at Garrett Cole. Scott, we always love the time. Enjoy the ALCS. Hopefully we'll catch up in the World Series. And if I was there in New York, I'd be buying you some beers tonight. Ah, I appreciate that. I, will, we, I am going to get hopefully get done and get out of this hotel room soon and uh, you know get a decent dinner somewhere and uh, go from there. Take care, Scotty. Enjoy and stay dry. All right. You too, Chris. Thank you. Scott Miller, one of my favorites from Bleach Report, are also Sirius XM. Does a great job. Also does some uh, broadcasting around the Padres down in San Diego. So a little programming note here. Two programming notes. We are actually going to be on live again tomorrow. Normally we just replay Wednesday show because we're live Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But since I'm leaving for Green Bay with the Raiders on Friday – We're going to be live again tomorrow, and I'm loving how this sets up because we're live before the game. Since today was a rain out, we'll be live before game four tomorrow, which is a huge game because Astros win, and they go 3-1, and you still have Verlander and Cole in your back pocket just to win one more game to go to the World Series. The odds are... It's game, set, match. So I'm glad that we're going to be on live tomorrow, 1-4, to before game four of the ALCS. And there, there are quite a few guys looking at my notes. So the Yankees, and you can say the same thing for the Astros, they've got, they've got guys struggling. Yankees have scored three runs across 20 innings in their last two games, both losses. They had scored 30 runs in 34 innings in the first four games this postseason, all wins. Think about how dramatic that is. They absolutely smoke the Minnesota Twins and then win game one against the Astros. They scored 30 runs in 34 innings. Since then, three runs in 20 innings. Not good. I mean, I'm not going to yet say a must-win for them. But if they lose tomorrow, Grinky on the mound, the Yankees, they're in trouble. They're in some serious trouble. And as Aaron Boone says, they got to get some length. Now, they have been very good with the opener this year. And there was belief that Chad Green would be the opener. We were going to have a bullpen game today. Is that what is that something to think about if the Astros take on the Nationals in the World Series? The Nationals have legit four starting pitchers. Right now, the Astros have three. 
So Chad Green serving as an opener this year for the Yankees. They won 11 of 15 games. But now they're not going to need him. Maybe they're going to need him Saturday for game six. If this even goes six. You lose against Grinky in game four, you got Verlander in game five. And quite a few of their big guns. I mean, you can't even get Giancarlo Stanton in the lineup. He's got a quad issue. The Sanchino, Gary Sanchez, is two for his last 21 with 10 Ks in six games this postseason. Uh, two for 21. My San Jose State math says that's .095. Not good. Edwin Encarnacion, he has one hit in his last 18 at-bats. Yankees have gone cold, and their starters. Their starters are giving them nothing. Nothing. I mean, the Yankees relievers have thrown 28 and two-thirds innings pitch this postseason. Take a guess, Commander. You don't even see it. Take a guess on what their starters have thrown. Relievers have thrown 28.2. Say around like 13 innings. Their starters have thrown 26.1. Oh, I was thinking of the ALCS, the postseason. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because Severino can't pitch very long. I mean, it's – how are you going to win doing that? How are you going to win if your starters can't give you anything? You know, having lunch, we're having lunch, as I said today, we had a little lunch, a catered lunch here. I had the uh, chicken Caesar. What did you have? The Was this the barbecue chicken? Because that's what I had. Oh, yeah, the barbecue chicken? How was yeah, it? It was good. I had the chicken Caesar. They had a buffalo chicken salad that looked good. That I went, I bet I went with the Caesar. Yeah, the barbecue one was good. By the way, you mentioned Masahiro Tanaka. In his career, minimum seven starts. He has a 1.32 ERA in 41 innings. The only guy that has a lower ERA. That'd be uh, Sandy Koufax at .95 in 57 innings. And what? And at a minimum of seven postseason starts, Masahiro Tanaka has the second lowest ERA behind only Sandy Koufax at 41 innings, where Koufax had 57 innings pitched. Really? Yeah, this I saw this after game one. MLB Network posted it. and I was He pretty, better be damn good tomorrow. I was pretty blown away. Wouldn't you say if they go down 3-1, you're like, this is ball game over? I think it's over already. You think so? You, you, hey, Big Poppy said it. Big Poppy said when they were lighting those cigars, do you still have that audio? Well, let me look. I, we don't need to play it. But they started lighting, they started lighting cigars in Houston after their broadcast on FS1. And A-Rod joked, hey, this is a no-smoking building. Oh, no, wait, was it in Houston? Yeah, it was in Houston. He goes, uh, he goes, he goes, we're going to have to, uh, this is no smoking building. I don't care. We're not coming back we're here We're not coming anyway. back here, yeah. Because they don't have the World Series, I, got, I take it. No, Fox does. Because I believe Joe Buck would be on the call. Would they be in studio or on the in the field? They'd probably be on the field. Oh, then Big Poppy's wrong. He is going back there. I think he's maybe, maybe yeah, maybe for the ALCS. Yeah, so Big Poppy is basically saying, we're, we're not coming back. Or is he saying that we're not coming back? The Yankees, could, what, he may be thinking the Yankees were going to sweep it at Sweep it at home. No, uh, he was he was pro Astros. He was definitely pro. No, Astros. a Red Sox guy pro Astros against the Yankees. Pro Astros, 
Uh, uh, Yankees better get going. But you know what? There's some struggles going on, too, with the Astros, which we will get into a little bit later. But coming up next, you loved him in 2006. He was an MVP candidate. Started out slow, went back to Chicago, hit a couple out, and then had one of the best years of his career. And you do see him with A-Rod and Big Poppy on FS1. The Hall of Famer, the great Frank Thomas, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty. Joining us in moments. A guy that had an unbelievable career. I'm now broadcasting with Fox. And you see him doing FS1 pre, FS1 post with Big Poppy, Alex Rodriguez, breaking down all the games. And they are in New York. And unfortunately, we have a rain delay. Not a rain delay. It's actually the games, games have been banged. Game four will actually be tomorrow. But the Big Herd is a two-time MVP. You think about the greatness of his career, a Hall of Famer, and we always look back here with the A's, how special 2006, how special that run was, and how special Frank put that team on his back. And we'll always look back at 06 as a phenomenal year. And, of course, you watch him on FS1. Frank, Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics, it's great to have you on the show again. Thanks for having me, Chris. I hope all is well out there in the Bay Area. Yeah, I, I hate the fact that we have rain. To del- rain. We've been having a lot of fun <laughs> watching you guys, and what a great series this has been. Well, you're on the East Coast here. It is really ugly here today. It's a monsoon-type weather. It's really nasty. And uh, you're right, putting a series on hold, uh, totally changes the whole complexion of the series. Yeah, because now the Yankees are going to have to beat the Astros three out of four in four straight days, and three of the guys going, Frank, Grinky, Verlander, and Cole, that's no day at the beach. Not at all. And uh, now uh, Houston gets to set their rotation with Grinky and, and Verlander back-to-back here in New York. And if there's a game six, there's a possibility it could be Gary Cole again. You know, Frank, the one difference that you see dramatically with the Nationals and you see it with the Astros is they're doing what all these other teams aren't. Their starters are giving them length, and then that means less outs that the bullpen has to get. We've talked so much about how bullpens are, but we're seeing, once again, good starting pitching always wins. You're right, and they're both two two teams that are blessed with three excellent starting pitchers. And uh, they're definitely getting that link into the bullpen, uh, something that the Yankees can't do right now and the majority of the whole league can't do. So uh, you're right. It looks like it could be a crash course with the Yankees, I mean, with the uh, Astros 
and the Nationals in the World Series, but we'll see how this play out because the Yankees are so tough at home. Anything can happen. You know, I was thinking about you guys and the great job you, you've been doing because all three of you guys, I mean, you're three of the great sluggers in the history of the game, but you guys understand that how you play baseball in the postseason is different from the regular season. And here we go in that first inning yesterday. You get the first two guys on, and you don't bunt. And then next thing you know, the Yankees don't get a run. And you guys talked about that earlier in the Atlanta-St. Louis series. I mean, you guys understand analytics means something, and it means a lot, but there's certain times you should play small ball in the postseason, and you guys are three sluggers, and you've been talking about that a lot. You've been talking a lot about that here in the postseason on FS1. I, uh, I look at it like this. Analytics gets you here uh, of a 162-game schedule, but when you get to the October baseball, when you're facing the top starters in the game, you have to be able to play small ball and do the little things to advance. There has to be bunting. There has to be hitting running. You have to steal a few bases. You have to put pressure on another team. You can't sit back and wait on the big home run or the base hit every time. That's just what it is. And in this series, you know, we're probably going to see two bullpen guys opening up today. But now with the rain out, how weird will it be potentially in game six, the first game back in Houston, having two bullpen guys start the game? Yeah, that'd be pretty weird. But uh, most people think the Houston has advantage to start pitching now. But here in New York, I mean, this place was bunkers last night. You could tell the Yankees were feeding off of it. I mean, they gave Gary Kohler uh, a run yesterday. He didn't dominate like he had the last three starts because of his atmosphere in New York. But the Yankees got to be heavily dependent on their bullpen, and their hitters have has got to come out to play for the next four days. But the day off could change momentum. You just never know what could happen. Yeah, when you start looking at the Yankees and their wins, a three against the Twins in the first against the Astros in this series, they scored 30 runs in 34 innings. But then in the last couple losses, they haven't scored any. What are you seeing with the Yankees' offense? Why can't they put any runs uh, on the board? Well, great pitching slows down great hitting. And if you look at the Yankees' lineup, they're they're heavily right-handed. And – Astros have dominant right-hand starting pitching, dominant people out of the bullpen right-handers. Uh, they've slowed them down tremendously, but they haven't stopped them. So I'm looking for the Yankees to come back with fire tomorrow night. I think they can, they're going to pull game three tomorrow, I mean game four tomorrow night for how some much, reason. How much fun are you having with, with Big Poppy and A-Rod on the set? Because from a viewer's standpoint, it looks like you guys are having a blast. We're having a lot of fun. And, you know, Poppy is a jokester, a trickster, so you got to be careful with him. You know, I'm sure you saw the prank he pulled on me last week with Tito's vodka in my water bottle. I mean, I'm like, that was something I didn't expect at all. And it just, they had a field day with it, but man, did it taste awful. I was so shocked because I go to that studio for six straight months doing the whip around and I never have a problem with my water bottle. So yeah, it was a problem. <laughs> and, then, and then you're smoking cigars on the set. Well, leave it to Poppy. You know, he's, he's a good guy and uh, he likes to have fun. We all like to have fun. So. We bust each other's chops quite a bit. You know, we think about 2006 all the time, and we reference you all the time uh, uh, of what a year that was for you. You know, that year got off to a little bit of a slow start. Then you went back to Chicago, take down the White Sox. You knock a few out of the ballpark, and then after there, you were hell on wheels, and you carried the A's to the postseason. It's the last time they've actually won a series in 2006. I know that year meant so much to A's fans, and I know that year meant so much to you. 
Yes, it did. It was a comeback year for me. It was my favorite year in all my whole career in baseball. Uh, the Bay, Bay Area opened arms with me out there and uh, started off slow, but then I, I took it personally and uh, got locked in and had a great time. I've always loved to hit the Coliseum, and, uh, I mean, the rest is history. We just had an incredible year with a lot of great young talent, and I wish we could have stayed together for a couple of years because I really think we could have gotten to the finish line. Yeah, and I think about the atmosphere that, that allows you to be you, and it doesn't matter who you are. You come into that clubhouse, there's just a lot of love. Everybody gets yeah. along, and I, I know that meant something to you also. Yeah, it didn't feel like a job coming to, coming to play baseball that year. All the you know, big city pressure was not there. It was more the atmosphere of the age. You see them continue to win because of that. They know how to have fun. They know how to, to get the families involved. They know how to just have that great atmosphere to play baseball and have a good time doing it. You know, the last two years, Frank, the A's have won 97 games, and it's only yes. got them into a wild card game. How crazy is that? It's really crazy. But you look at the Astros, they're winning 107. You know, uh, it's just a great time in that division. Uh, but the, the Oakland A's put fear in everybody. I've been watching it for years now with the uh, whip around every week. Uh, pitching, defense, great bullpen can slow down a lot of great teams, especially the ones with the big resources, with all the big bats. So, uh, Oakland's really, really close. I really thought this year would be the, the year they got through the wild card. It didn't happen, but uh, they got to be proud of what they've accomplished the last couple of years. So going into spring training next year, they really are going to be loaded. They're going to have a ton of pitching. They're going to have a ton of talent. If you could give the A's, these players, some advice about getting over the hump, what would you say to next year's A's, like in spring training? i tell you what, I mean, it's a World Series of bust. I mean, they got to have that feeling inside because they're so extremely talented. They can hit, they can pitch, they can play defense, they can do it all. So, and they got real stars on that team now. So, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to them to really break through soon. They might have to pay for one big starter, and uh, that's what might might take to get them over the top. Now, a lot of people know you played a long time in baseball, 19 years. So you're going to have a lot of injuries. But then people forget that you played football, a little war eagle for the University of Auburn. So, so you've had it rough over your career at times. And, <laughs> and, and you, and you, yes, I have. And you got a new pain cream out there, ecoscience.com. Tell us what you have going. It's called Ecoderm. Uh, pain cream, Big Hurt Pain Cream. Uh, these guys approached me about 18 months ago, uh, put me on a trial to, to check out what they were developing. It's uh, the top of the line pain cream plus CBD. And uh, most people don't know the effects of CBDs because it has a negative connotation out there. Uh, education is coming. I'm happy to put my face on it. I'm 100% behind it. It's an incredible product. And trust me, it really, really works because I was hopping in for my seventh surgery and I started using this cream. And now I'm, I'm running around pain-free, running around like I was 15 years ago. So I'm excited about this product. It's a really clean-driven product, and it helps everyone. It's not just for sports. It's for everyone. Um, I've even used it on my uh, 10-year-old who plays a lot of sports now, and he's had a sore ankle. So uh, it's helped him tremendously. So I'm really excited about this product. I want people to check us out, ecoscience.com, Ecoderm, Big Hurt Pain Cream. You know, I, I like that you're doing that, Hurt, because I also work for uh, the Oakland Raiders, 
and we see a lot of the old Raiders coming around and how banged up these guys are after playing pro football their entire life. And whether you're a weekend warrior or you're a former NFL guy or former Major League Baseball player, I'm 47 years old, Frank, as a former baseball player myself in college. My body doesn't feel like it used to. So I'm glad you're doing something for, for us that, that, that we can use, and, that's, well, hey, and then that's healthy. I'm 51 now. You know, I'm 51 now, and i got a lot of residual pain from all these sports. But uh, this stuff has really, really helped. I can tell you that right now. I'm walking around pain-free, and I'm laughing right now. I, I feel better at 51 than I did at 41. <laughs> I can be really honest about that. So uh, this product has been developed right. These sciences are great that I hooked up with. Uh, they've explained everything, and they took me through this whole, this whole process. You know, they helped me, you know, help with the uh, coolness, the hotness, the, uh, the smell, the everything. So I was a guinea pig here for this product, and I'm really proud of it because it came out tremendously successful. Do you still have your beer going? No, no. I let that go years ago, like 2012. Uh, but this is something that I really wanted to do because I wanted to give back to all the players. And I'm, I'm looking forward to get this in the hands of all the ex-NFL guys and guys with a lot of residual pain because they're going to love it. Yeah, and especially since it's healthy. And it's free And it's free samples on the site. So tell guys to go out and uh, check us out, ecosciences.com. We are giving samples. We're not just going to talk this great. We're going to show you. And we are, we're definitely giving away free samples. Big Hurt, we're watching you on FS1. Can't wait for the World Series. Keep doing a great job, and we'll talk to you in the offseason. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. The great Frank Thomas. Let me tell you something. Him coming to Oakland, I'll never forget it. Because I remember all those years in Chicago, especially the late years in Chicago. Frank Thomas was not a happy guy. He was essentially at war with Chicago. His feet couldn't walk, had the issues. I just put up his numbers right now. 04, 74 games. 05, they won the World Series. He only played in 34 games. He couldn't stay healthy. And it was it was an ugly divorce. And he came to Oakland, and I remember going, oh, because there were the years. So when I first got into this business, my old partner and I, we used to constantly go into the opposing clubhouse and get star players that came in from out of town in the American League. Because at that time, I was over at KMBR. Larry Kruger and I were teamed up. And I always liked the A's. He was the Giants guy. Kind of how it worked. Uh, my giant boss didn't like that, by the way. Bob Agnew. Um, but anyway, so we would always come over and interview people and try and get the biggest stars in the American League. And I'll never forget when Albert Bell had the – locker next to Frank Thomas and you'd walk into the White Sox clubhouse you could just feel how toxic it was it was absolutely toxic nobody wanted to talk to these guys they didn't want to be you know we went in there as at a you know we're to them we're not the we're not the Chicago media so we thought oh you know hey how you doing Bay Area to, Wanted, I mean, wouldn't even look at you. Literally, you could go up to Frank Thomas 
and say, excuse me, Mr. Thomas, how you doing, Chris Towns? Wouldn't even turn around and look at you. It was a bad vibe. So when he showed up in 06 and I first went to interview him, I go, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. And it's amazing what a change of scenery can do somebody. As Frank got up out of his chair, I remember exactly where his locker was in the clubhouse, shook our hands, was nice as could be. We did like a 15-minute interview. He was great. And you could just tell Frank was happy. Frank wasn't worried about battling the media every day. Remember he had the recording business? He was in the he had the I can't remember exactly like a recording label wasn't going well. I mean, there was just that point in his life, like 03, 04, 05, just was not good. Well, actually, 03 had a really good year, 42 home runs, 105 RBIs, but that was the start. And just coming to Oakland, all the baggage went away. The baggage was gone. And as Frank just said, because just play baseball again, think about that. The guy was a two-time back-to-back MVP. Monster. Look at this, really his first year in the big leagues. 32 home runs, 109 RBIs. I mean, it just, this is how his home runs went. 32, 24, 41, 38, 40, 40, 35, 29, 14, 43. Gets hurt four, comes back 28, 42. And then has the issues, and then 39 with Oakland. I mean, the RBIs, 109, 115, 128, 101, 111, 134, 125, 109, had a one was 143. I mean, he had monster career. Led baseball and walks four times, but every year he was walking over 100 times. His OPS, over 1,000 for the season, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, but to think that it took all the way to be 38 years old in 2006 for him to actually say, the freedom to have that kind of freedom and just got to play baseball again and love the game like a kid again came in Oakland. His years with the White Sox, monstrous. But his best year, I love it, in Oakland. 39 home runs, 114 RBIs, 926 OPS. OPS plus of 140, which is huge. I mean, he had some OPS plus years where you take the OPS and then you put the plus in there, so you factor in league, you factor in ballparks. He had one year his OPS plus was 212. Remember, average average guy coming up, just an average schmo is 100. He had 212. 212. I was looking at the year he said he had 143 RBIs. He didn't lead baseball. Uh, that's because Hall of Famer Edgar Martinez had 145, and Todd Helton had 147 that year, year 2000. I was just blown away that he – 143 RBIs, you figure he probably led baseball. No, two guys were ahead of him. Well, he led baseball and walks four times. He actually led in games one year, 95, with 145. The one year he led in runs with 106. 
what did Marcus have this year? 123. So, I mean, baseball is different now, but 106 runs for uh, power hitting first baseman is pretty good. He was a great for. He was he was he was a great player. Did he get a World Series ring in 05? I want to say he didn't. Well, he was on the team. I mean, how would they not give Frank Thomas? I mean, he was he was there from ninety. So if he was there for what fifteen years? No, he was there. He was there. He only played in a few games. Remember, he was hurt. Yeah, but I'm I'm wondering like if he got, if he got a ring because I didn't see I didn't see it listed anywhere with him as a World Series champion. So I was wondering like you know he's been there for that long. He did so much for that franchise, a franchise that never. There's really no won. way they did not give him a ring, Frank Thomas. But then again, they were in a holy war with him at the time. Yeah, they, maybe they just, you know, despite him, they didn't give it to him. Yeah, the thing with the A's, next get- year, next year, I like how he said it. Next year, it's about winning the World Series. It's about winning the whole damn thing. That's the mentality you have to have. I mean that's the that's the thing. You 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 have to believe. You gotta go in believing, all right, we've got back to back years to win. Back to back years win ninety seven games. So hell with this wild card. It's about and that's kind of what I said this year, if you remember back. And I know and we we were all on board for Shamaniah starting the wild card game. I can't go back on that. I I'm on record. But my whole thing was are you setting it up just to win this game, or are you setting it up to win the whole thing? Because, yes, I understand. You go, hey, you got to get there. I don't want to rehash that. Who is the last World Series team to win the World Series in their first appearance? That's what the Nats are trying to do. We'll tell you who that is next, right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty. Susan Slusser is going to join us coming up here at 2.30. Cody, when do you want my metric that's just going to humble you and break you down personally that you might you might rethink just your entire life and may need to find another profession? Well, after hearing Frank Thomas the second time today saying the, base, the analytics doesn't win in the uh, playoffs, um, you can just ruin my life whenever you want. Because Jalen Rose said earlier how analytics ruin baseball and it's ruining basketball. It's like, okay, Jalen, you believe that. But then Frank Thomas said the same thing, so it's all right. If everyone just wants no, to no, ruin no, no, my that, day. That's not what he said. He said it works during the regular year, but things change during the postseason. True, but it'd be more believable if the Astros didn't win a couple years ago. Uh, had in they the, in the Cubs. Yeah, but they won by having great players. They weren't. Was it really their analytics that won them games? I always believe it was the analytics. Uh, Brett Garner. Should he have bunted yesterday in the first inning with two runners on and nobody out instead of hitting a weak fly ball that didn't move anybody over? Uh, yes, because – well, then again, I was waiting for one time in the game where Gardner got a questionable call on him, and I just wanted to see him go to the dugout and start banging on the but top of the – how about again? First inning? Yeah, bunt. He definitely should have bunted. Right? But we don't believe in small ball anymore. 
Okay, well, you're not playing big ball. You're playing zero ball. Just like in the the Cardinals Nationals, uh, what they were, they both had 116 stolen bases on the year, and what we barely saw anyone steal bases in that series. They have that Taco Bell promotion, still a base, still a taco. Probably worked out well for them because I don't really, I don't think anyone stole a base in that series. I don't get it. I mean, you're up against Garrett Cole. You got two runners on it, and the and the top of the, you're already down one nothing. I don't know why you got Garner hitting third anyway, but he he is somebody. I don't believe you should bunt with people who don't know how to bunt. Gardner know how he knows how to bunt. How do you not bunt him there? They get the runners over. And uh have a shot at getting a run. You need a run. They're already up as they're doing their roll call there at Yankee State. Do you know? Are you were you watching the game as they're doing the roll call? And as they're doing the roll call, bang, Altuve hits it out. Everybody got puckered real fast. They need to score runs. They're not scoring any runs. You're waiting for a big inning. You're waiting. Well, I mean, good luck against Garrett Cole. Good luck. I do have a good buying or selling question for you later in regards to one Giancarlo Stanton, who, hey, he didn't play again uh, the other day. So uh, we'll, we'll see that one. But they need to get him going in this series. He needs to play if you want to score some runs. You didn't acquire him to be injured all the time and hit three home runs this year and only play in a, couple, you know, a handful of games. Last team to win the World Series in their first World Series appearance. The last team to do it. You've got to go all the way back to the Anaheim Angels of Disneyland, I think they were called at the time. Or the Disneyland Angels of Anaheim, whatever they were called. And that wild card, first time we ever had two wild card teams face off in the World Series as they beat the San Francisco Giants in seven. That's the last time a team won the World Series in their first World Series appearance. That, my friends, tells you a lot. But the Nats, with what they have and their pitching staff, and Nats magic, that's just, hey, I mean, you have to be able – you have to be able to muster some kind of magic if you're going. That's what's great about winning winning a championship. The special things happen. I mean, the breaks go your way. Things go your way. Teams that get to the championship. That's just. It doesn't matter what sport. I don't care if it's football, basketball, high. Things go your way. You got to have good players, but the the things will go your way when you win it, and when you get to the World Series. And the Nats have that magic right now. That's why you hate to think about the layoff, because that's where teams kind of, eh, they might lose a little bit of that, and we have seen that. Now joining us from the San Francisco Chronicle. Does an unbelievable job covering the athletics and an author. Susan Slusser joins us here on A's Cast Live. Happy offseason, Susan. Well, hello, Tony. How are you? Well, I was just talking about, and you've seen this before, that you, you got these teams that are riding this high, and all of a sudden they clinch, and then they got to sit for a while, 
And you don't want them to lose their magic or their rhythm as they're sitting and watching. And because baseball is a sport that when you're hot, you never want to stop playing. Yeah. I mean, I think we all remember, you know, the year the A's went to the ALCS, but they had to sit and wait all that time. Uh, That was not ideal. You know, they beat the twins pretty quickly and then they had to sit around. I don't think anybody really like you like a little bit of a rest. You don't want a lot of rest. How about starting pitching? Just absolutely dominating when you're looking at the two teams that are probably going to go to the World Series. I mean, you, you know, we're not sure how the ALCS will, 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 will pan out, but it looks like it's probably going to go the Astros' way. I mean, when you think about it, and, and so many people come in talking about bullpens, you know, it's been starting pitching that's dominating with, with the Nationals and also with the Astros. Yeah, I don't think that that's really a surprise. Uh, You'll remember the year that uh, Billy Bean made the trade for John Lester. His reasoning was you need dominant pitching to go deep into a postseason. And I don't think he was wrong about that. Uh, It didn't work out that season. But if you have three ace kind of guys, you're, you're obviously going to be really well set up for a series. Maybe not one game because anything can happen one game. But for a series, yeah, you're going to be in very good shape. She's the author with Ken Korak. If these walls could talk, Oakland A's stories from the Oakland A's dugout, locker room, and press box. Check it out. It is a phenomenal read. Okay, let's talk a little A's. Let's talk a little business away from the field as uh, Phil Mateer and everybody there at the Chronicle continues to do a great job covering this whole saga of what's going on with Jack London, uh, what's go- Howard Terminal, and what's going on with the Coliseum site. Alameda County, I guess, offered a while back. They offered their half to the to Oakland, but they had to pay for that half now. I mean, obviously, the A's want to buy that half from Alameda County. I mean, this just goes round and round. Where are we, Susan? Yeah, my colleague Sarah Ravani had a really interesting story. I think she found some documents through Freedom of Information Act that showed that the county actually offered the city their half first. And, you know, that's what this whole lawsuit is about, is the city of Oakland trying to get that Alameda County half. Well, they got offered it at a good rate, $78 million, uh, just sort of payable upon demand. And then they, they basically didn't even get back to them, and the A's stepped in and said, we'll give you more, but we're going to have to spread it out over 70 years. So it was $85 million, obviously more. That essentially takes care of Alameda County's portion of all of that debt that they're still paying down from the Raiders and the Warriors. Note, note that the A's have never really been part of all of that debt, and here they are offering essentially money that's going to go toward paying it off. Alameda County says they want out of the sports uh you know, site business, and this was a way to do it. And now, now the city, which had a chance to buy them out, is like, no, you can't. We're going to sue. So I don't, I don't really get it. Some of the stipulation with that agreement with Alameda County between the A's and Alameda County that I thought was the most interesting was that it stipulated that the A's have to remain in Oakland. So I think if you're an Oakland A's fan or just a fan of Oakland sports in general and would like to see at least one team remain. Uh, I think you would have liked that agreement. So uh, we'll see what happens next. The city of Oakland has not looked great with this whole lawsuit thing. 
No, it has not. And, and my question would be, no matter what the deal is, no matter whether the terms, and you talk about you want it up front or you want it from years from now, you can sue all you want, but is there any scenario that the city of Oakland has the money to buy the property from them? I'm, you know what? Who knows? It's a little unlikely. Certainly they say they couldn't have paid it on demand. I guess they could have done it stretched out. I don't know if they could have even done it stretched out over seven years. I mean, typically cities pay for things in 20, 30-year installments, which is why they're still paying down that debt from the, the Warriors and the Raiders. But if you add that debt on to the debt they already owe on the Warriors and Raiders, uh, that, that's a lot for Oakland to take on. And we know Oakland, like any city, has a lot of other things that it really wants to prioritize when it comes to spending money and probably should. What did it mean to you when the commissioner stepped in and wanted to talk to Libby, wanted to talk to Kaplan and kind of fired that shot across the bow? Like, Hey, listen uh, there. And he brought one specific city in there, which was interesting, brought up Las Vegas. What do you think that meant when the commissioner did that? Well, I talked to the commissioner uh, before the wild card game. You know, he showed up really briefly before the wild card game, and he had just come from talking to Libby Schaft and Rebecca Kaplan, and he was hot. He was clearly unhappy with them. Uh, and for him, the timing, too, was so bad, coming right before, you know, this big showcase moment for Oakland, a wild card game, the first playoff game in Oakland since 2006. And here he has to be answering questions about the city of Oakland suing the A's, in essence, uh, when the A's are trying to get, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars stadium built within the city limits. Uh, he was unhappy. He didn't mention Vegas specifically by me to, na- to me by name, but he did uh, in subsequent remarks. Uh, talk about Vegas to other outlets, and, um, you know, it's the obvious. But he did flat out tell me, you know, if something can't get done, if this litigation doesn't go away, the city of Oakland might lose all of its sports teams. So he was hot, no question. I can see the frustration that he has with Tampa is, you know, we were there recently, and we know the issue that – they were looking to go to Tampa. That fell through. Now St. Petersburg's but wants back in, but they don't have the money. Uh, the owner only wants to spend so much money on the building. So next, you know, they're floating out this half, half, half St. Pete, half Montreal. I can see the commissioner. I mean, he's. It sounds like he's at his his wits end with with the with with these two issues, which is the A's and the Rays. that clear but he's not going to do it until these two teams have new stadiums that's number one on his agenda but they are both frustrating him so much that the st pete thing with playing half the games at montreal how does that even work how does that work for all the people that cover the team full-time that the players the support staff do they have to have apartments in both places like who can afford that I, how does that work? I mean, that just seems so unworkable. Maybe play a couple select series in Montreal. I guess you could do that. But you're asking a lot of people to live in two different places when so many of them already have another place that they live in the off season too. It's just crazy. So uh, I don't see that as a really realistic idea. 
they need to either figure out if Tampa can play there, if Tampa Bay can play in that region, or if they should just flat out move to Montreal. I think, uh, and then you know, yeah, go ahead, Danny. I think what A's fans need to understand, and you and I have been very fortunate that we get to travel around the country, and we get to go all to these different cities. And one that just struck me was being in Minneapolis where I went over to Target Field the day before the Raiders played the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. And you look at their arena, you look at Target Field, you know, not saying that there has to be taxpayer money, but the cities really have to help out. And I think that's one thing when we go to these towns and recently in Indianapolis and you look at their arena and you look at their football stadium, the towns have to play ball in some way to help these teams get these venues built that no question these venues are great for the community. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any. And when you, you mentioned Target Field is one of uh, among the newer stadiums, um, the only quibble I would have with it is they didn't add a roof, but you know they could. They only they had a limited budget, but man, they did everything else exactly right, and it's right in the heart of downtown. Uh, a wonderful job, and yes, there was a lot of civic involvement. Well, you know, city, county, everybody chipped in to make that happen. Uh, minimal obstruction, uh, and I think that's what the A's and MLB would take right now is just don't put added layers of obstruction. You know. Help to the extent that you can. Maybe Oakland's a little limited in its ability to do that, but stop putting up roadblocks. Well, and and I read where people are, where there's certain council members where they say they have a hard time understanding the two-property equation where you use one property to help pay for the other. But this is exactly what Dave Cavill did in San Jose to help get a Via Stadium built. Yeah, no, it's very practical. Um, and sure, you could probably argue as a taxpayer, like, hey, what are we doing giving a break on a price to a sports team that has a multi-billionaire owner? Okay, that's fair enough. But what's happening to the land if you don't do it? Do that? Nothing. They, they don't have a plan. They're not suggesting anything else. This is a plan that would provide low-income housing, as the A's have uh, repeatedly said. Uh, that's part of the lawsuit, by the way. They were, you know, they were like, well, we need to be assured that it's providing low-income housing. It's right there in their plan. Uh, it would provide recreation, uh, development of an area that um, needs some more development and needs some options, and right next to public transportation. I think it's uh, it seems like a win-win for Oakland, even if the A's are getting it at a reduced rate. It's also helping the city and county pay down all that debt uh, that they'd accrued. So they could then spend money on other things that they might want to spend on. So I don't see where that's a loss for the taxpayer. I understand that there are concerns about that, but I think there are far more positives than negatives. How important is it for people who are the taxpayer? People who are taxpayers, and they have to deal with paying off Mount Davis, and they still have to pay off Oracle Arena, the renovation. How important is for them to speak out and say, listen, this is what we want, versus you putting up roadblocks, which in the end could potentially cause you to lose the team to where we've never seen a major city lose the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball in a very short time. 
Yeah, that would be really tragic. I mean, the commissioner's word was tragedy for the city of Oakland, and I, I think he's right about that. We know the power of uh, what people can do when it comes to swaying public opinion on things like this. Uh, part of the reason uh, that the A's wound up not uh, at the Laney College site was because there was opposition in that area from people that worked at the college, from people that attended the college, and most important, from that neighborhood. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons Laney College kind of called a halt to all of it, was what they were hearing was primarily negative. Um, there needed to be more people going to those meetings and saying, here are all the positives. Uh, that definitely made a difference, that they were hearing only the negative. So, yeah, people need to get out and make their voices heard. Uh, I certainly know a lot of small business owners in Oakland have been very much in favor of the Howard Terminal Ballpark because uh, they, they believe it would help spur some economic activity in their, that area. Uh, and you know, obviously Libby Schaff has been very much in favor, favor for the same reasons, you know, helping take a part of Oakland that is not developed that's near Jack London Square could really revitalize uh, an area and also do a lot for those businesses at Jack London Square and, and turn it into much more of a destination. Uh, there are a lot of opposing viewpoints on this. I wouldn't say that they're, they're invalid. I think that they should be heard too, uh, but certainly those people in favor of a stadium, whether at Howard Terminal or even at the existing Coliseum site, uh, if they care deeply about it, they should make their voices heard. And, of course, voting also helps, too. She's also the author of 100 Things A's Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Both these books, as we're getting close to the holidays, both of these books would make great Christmas gifts for any of your A's fans that you know that you have to get a gift for. A couple of baseball things about the athletics. What's the toughest move for them with the current roster this coming off season? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I just um, wrote a, a bunch about potential roster moves. I think everybody looks at second base and says they need to do something there. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure. I think, you know, they've got a lot of internal options. They will have to make some decisions come spring on the guys that are out of options, Barreto and Mateo. Dirksen Profar is under team control for another year. He brought some positives to go along with, a, you know, the disaster that was his defense. Uh, that's clearly an issue. They almost have too much of a good thing in the outfield. Um, and I wondered aloud uh, online yesterday whether they might move Stephen Piscotti because Ramon Laureano came along so well and right. He just looked phenomenal there. Mark Canna obviously can play setter well. Piscotti could be a nice piece to trade. I don't think anybody would like to see him go, right? He's local. I think people feel very, um, you know, that, 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 with the Piscotti family going through what they went through, I think people feel very invested emotionally in him and very understandable. But as a trade piece, he's had so many good seasons and he's signed to such a good contract, he could bring back a significant amount if the A's wanted to do something. So uh, they've got a wealth of outfielders, and that could be something interesting they do. And then, you know, the the rest, they, they probably need some bullpen help like everybody, but uh, – they're set in the rotation, Townie, and a lot of teams aren't. What would be the biggest surprise move of the offseason for you? What? Yeah, I think if they move Piscotti, it certainly would be a surprise. You know, there'll be a few things that they do that won't be a surprise. You know, if they non-tender or trade Blake Trinan or Profar, I think that wouldn't be a surprise. If they go out and make a big splash in free agency, find like uh, – you know, a premier reliever, a setup guy, something like that, that might be a little bit of a surprise. 
Uh, here's the surprise I would really like to see is a pricey long-term extension for Marcus Simeon. You and I have talked about that so much. I think that's the first order of business they need to do. But if they think that they can only sign one of the three guys that's going to be really expensive, Simeon or one of the two mats, I think they go with Chapman. And then their window of contention potentially shrinks to how many years that Marcus Simeon has left. They could give him a qualifying offer after next year, so it might be two years, uh, but they might not do that. Um, and then what do you do at shortstop? So I, I, I like it better if they sign Simeon right away. And I, I just can't imagine being around the A's for years to come and not having Matt Olson be here. I mean, Matt Olson, when it's all said and done, might have the best numbers of them all. Yeah. I mean, you'd hate to see any of them go, but if you keep all three, you're talking about $400 million plus. I can't see it. Can you? Well, if we sell a lot of books for you and you put a little money into the club, we can make it happen. <laughs> 30 cents it is. <laughs> so so you're saying Garrett Cole's not coming here in the offseason is what you're saying? I, You know, is that the way you're going with this? I, I, I would find that uh, very unlikely. What did, what, what did you take of uh, Joe Madden becoming the new manager of the Angels? I, I think we all thought it was going to happen. Uh, what do you think about it? What do you think it does for him? Uh, it's great for him. It's such a homecoming. I saw him posting photos on Twitter with, you know, uh, it looked like he was there in the 60s. I know that's not the case, but it was like some old-timey photos. He's holding, like, his son when he was an infant in front of the, the, the old Anaheim, you know, billboards and before the stadium was redone. That was really nice. Uh, obviously has a long connection there. Uh, probably what the team needs. They had a tough, tough year. Obviously, they went through a lot, and I think he is. He works wonders with teams the first couple of years he's there, and I think that might be a good. You know, it's not going to be. It's not going to make things easier for the A's. That's for sure. You got any book signings coming up? Ken Clark and I are working on doing something. Um, we don't have anything set up yet, but we will probably be trying to do something um, in December. We're, we're looking to maybe do two different signings in, in December. So I'll tweet about it, and I, I think I'll put – I've got a Facebook page for the book. Uh, so we'll have information there when it happens, if and when it happens. All right, Susan, you're the best. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. Talk to you later. Susan Slusser from the San Francisco Chronicle. Huh. She mentioned something that we had kicked around before. Let's talk about that more next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I got to tell you, one of the great things about being in the studio here at Jack London, snacks everywhere. I just had the Crave Gourmet Beef Cuts oven-roasted sweet chipotle. If you have reaction, you can text us at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322, like from the 925. Another major mistake by the A's if they let Matt Olson go and only sign Matt Chapman. I would totally agree with you, 925. I mean, I just, I, I look at Matt Olson as a guy that's going to be starting the All Star game. The guy's going to hit 50 bombs or more. 
even if they de-juice the baseball, he's a 40-home run guy. And he's so special defensively. You can look at the A's record with him and without him. I can't imagine not having him here. So, I mean, the whole thing about how much money it's going to cost, well, that's why you buy up years now. That's why you go in and you say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars for X amount of years. And we're going to make you rich now. And it's going to make your free agency later. That's what you do. And you keep them around during their prime years. Remember, like when you say, okay, if you get the Bregman deal, it's a hundred million. Well, you're not paying all a hundred million in one year. It's spread out. And if you start making playoff runs, you're going to make a lot of money. Now, technically, they don't need to pay these guys. Marcus is really a guy, you know, as Susan said, after this year, they can do the qualifying offer. God, what's the qualifying offer going to be this year? Is it going to be over $18 million? It's got to be, right? So then the year after that will be $19 million, Something like that. But also, you got to have insight the stadium done. You got to know that shovels are going to be hitting the ground. See, that's the other thing of what this lawsuit, and yes, I understand they're suing Alameda County, but really it's to block the A's. So I love how people go, they're not suing the A's. Well, yeah, technically, but yeah, you are. You you got to help the process if you want the process to actually happen. That's why I like to mention in other cities, you know, other cities that in the last X amount of years have actually had stadiums and arenas built pretty much all around the country. Everywhere else, new stuff's being built. In the last 20-something years or so. Look around. People have been building since the 2000s. Football stadiums, arenas, brand new ones. Not renovating, new ones. Baseball stadiums, hockey stadiums, soccer stadiums. Look at all the soccer stadiums going up around the country. All the different towns in the United States of America building brand new facilities. And not always with taxpayer dollars, but building brand new facilities. It's happening everywhere. I can tell you where it hasn't happened, and I don't like to talk about it because I don't want to be negative. I want us all to be on the same page. I want everybody to be holding hands singing Kumbaya. I mean, what, what? Okay, you're going to sue, but do you got the money to pay for it? 
Do you have the money to pay for the land? Hell, do you have the money to really even pay for what what you got to pay off for Mount Davis and Oracle? Or are you just getting in the way? Once again, all around the country, everywhere you go, name the town. You want to go to Seattle? You want to go to Indianapolis? You want to go to Houston? You want to go to Arlington? You want to go to where do you want to go? Detroit? Where do you want to? There's some type of new facilities, sports facilities, that are good for the community. Well, now you don't need a football stadium because your football team left. Because someone else was willing to pay for it. Your basketball team didn't even want to talk to you. They wanted no part of it. They just said, yeah, we're more valuable and better across the bay. You got one shot left. Do you really even want it? That 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 is a legitimate question. It's one thing, as my late mother used to say, actions speak louder than words. Is there enough people? Because I can tell you, a lot of the noise that we hear around the A's and around the Raiders and around the Warriors, because remember, I'm one of the few that's worked around all three. A lot of the stuff around them always came outside of the city of Oakland. Remember that group called Save Oakland Sports? Like, more than two-thirds of the people didn't even live in Oakland. So it's really Oakland, politicians, council members, politics, taxpayers. How bad do you want your last sports team? I Forget if you don't live in Oakland. If there ever was a vote, you need a vote. You don't matter if you live in Dublin. You don't matter if you live in Walnut Creek. You don't matter if you live Concord. It's the people who run Oakland and the people who live in Oakland. The question is, how bad do you want it? It's a legitimate question. And I'm not trying to be mean. It's just real. My God, you think people would be scared that you lost the NBA and the NFL. But how bad do people actually want it? The people that actually live where it matters. Coming up next, we'll check in with Will Leach from MLB.com right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Across the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, coming up here, Will Lake from MLB.com, a national correspondent for Major League Baseball. Get his take on the juice ball. I guess at a press conference, Kyle Shanahan said, what was it? What was the best part of working in Washington when he was with the Redskins, being able to work with my dad and being around some other good coaches? What was the worst part? He says, everything else. 
ever, do you ever know the guys that were on that staff with his dad? It was him. They had Sean McVay, and they had um, Matt Lafleur, who you're going to see this weekend in Green Bay. Yeah, that's pretty funny, though. Yeah, we're going with my dad and some good coaches. Everything else uh, was an awful experience. So we have Will. Will, Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics. Great to have you on again. Of course. It was a pleasure last time. I'm sure it'll be a pleasure again. Where are you right now? I'm at my son's soccer practice, actually, right now. So uh, so if I get hit in the head with a soccer ball, you'll know that, uh, that he still, still needs some more practice. Yeah. Well, at least you're not dreading the rain in New York. <laughs> yeah, I think that they, they probably made a pretty good call getting that taken care of early today. I think that, uh, I, I, I frankly, I, I was at the game, I was at the Yankees game yesterday at Game 3, and certainly there were uh, a lot of uh, worn-out baseball reporters that were okay with the way the game out. I think that everybody understands that this is going to be a long series, and uh, they got to be in for the long haul. You know, we've been dealing a lot with this conspiracy about whether the, the ball is still juiced or they de-juice the game, and yesterday, and really we saw some some balls in the Dodgers series against the Cardinals that players, it looked like when they hit them, they thought they were out, warning track, okay, but yesterday, whether it was the DD ball to right or the Maldonado ball to left, was yesterday's game where guys hit balls normally during the regular season looked like they would have been out, but now you're scratching your head, you go, huh, had those not go out? Yeah, maybe maybe we should give uh, Ronald Acuna a little bit more of a break for not uh, for not running up what he thought was a homer because I think that uh, probably for most of the season it was. You know, uh, baseball. You know, they they. I feel like uh, uh, something something's up. I don't think there's, there's any question. I think that maybe maybe baseball could have benefited themselves by being a little bit more outreach in this. I think that the, some of their responses to what's going on have maybe raised more questions uh, uh, than necessarily they've answered. Something something's up. You know, and. Uh, I don't think it's intentional. I, to me, the idea of a, uh, uh, I'll put it this way, if it, uh, if it was an intentional, uh, the result of what they got has caused them nothing but trouble. So it was a very bad intention if they were trying to do this. But certainly it is weird that something's been up with the balls all year. And listen, baseball has acknowledged that something was uh, up with them during the regular season. I don't see why. You know, I, I think it's a combination of maybe the balls being a little bit different. And also, you know, there's always a little fewer homers in the postseason just because the weather's a little different. But it's weird. And any time that you have a postseason in which the game is being played in an entirely different way than the regular season was, uh, it's, it's 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 weird, and I think it can be frustrating as a fan. I think a lot of people didn't. I think some. I, if you're an old, a hardcore baseball fan, certainly the way the ball was traveling during the regular season felt a little strange sometimes. And I think that there, there probably was going to be something done with that. But the idea that it would be different in the postseason, uh, I think it's disappointing. I think that uh, uh, to suddenly see players who think they have homers, and also you know teams that make their plans around having uh, a lot of homers. Uh, to not have that happen, I think it's uh, it's certainly something that I think there's going to be a lot of questions that could need to be raised about it. So the rain out today now sets up for potentially four straight games in four straight days. How much is this the advantage to the Houston Astros? I, you know, I do think there is an advantage to them because their bullpen goes uh, a little bit deeper. I think your best arms are maybe on the Yankees team, but uh, you're – as, as you go deeper into the, uh, the Astros just have a lot of guys. The Astros almost have more guys than they could fit on there. There are a lot of growing in the postseason. A lot of relievers on the on the Astros that uh, didn't even make it to the postseason. So certainly that depth. 
I mean, for four games in four straight days, the way these games have been going, I don't think any bullpen's that deep to be able to handle it. You're still going to need the starters to go a long way. And to me, that's really where the Astros' real advantage is, is the idea that they do have starters that can go longer. Sure, these guys are all rested, uh, but the real difference is, you know, I mean, look at Severino in game three. He didn't pitch that badly, but he threw 40 pitches in the first inning, you know, and I think that that's not something you're really going to expect. And he was already on a pitch count. So, you know, that's not something you're really going to expect to see from a Verlander or a Cole or, or even a Granke. So, yeah, I think the day, uh, the day off, uh, I think it gives an advantage to the Astros. To be fair, I think they already had the advantage anyway. I think this just kind of exacerbates that a little bit. Uh, but the real issue, really the reason the Yankees are behind in the series is they're not hitting. This is the, this is supposed to be the big, great Yankee offense. Now, obviously, the Astros' pitches have been good, but certainly you would have expected a lot more uh, out of the Yankees than what you've necessarily been getting so far. And it hasn't just been cold, you know? So I, I think uh, if there's a concern for the Yankees, obviously they have doesn't help, but they got to get their bats going. And then I think about the Washington Nationals and you talk about starting pitching once again. And, and if you talk about one team that could stand up to the Astros with starting pitchers, it would be the Washington Nationals to where all of a sudden, we were wondering if the Nats could get past the wild card, and now we're talking about the Nats with a big four. Yeah, it's funny, too. And to be fair, uh, I've been watching this Cardinals team all season, and they've gone through these little stretches where they just can't hit at all. I think Rubal Sanchez uh, and Max Scherzer certainly look great, but I think there are a lot of pitchers that would have thrown a no-hitter at the Cardinals, uh, the way the Cardinals <laughs> were, kind of, were hitting in the side of that series. But there's no question. What's interesting about the Nationals, obviously bullpen has always been uh, an issue for Washington. But what they've been able to do in the postseason, and we'll see, it's worked for them because uh, they, they haven't had to play deep in the series. They're not using a lot of pitchers. There's really only seven pitchers they really trust. Uh, obviously, the, the the four starters, and then you've got Hudson, and then you've got Doolittle, and uh, that's really they, they're pushing those guys as much as they can. And you see, you saw Scherzer in release, you saw Corbett in release. They're gonna, I think that's gonna be their plan, really, no matter who they they face. And I think, well, I wonder if that's gonna be a big difference if the Astros were to make it between the Astros and the Nationals. Yeah, they can go toe for toe, uh, starting pitching wise. But at a certain level, you're not going to let Steven Strasburg throw 140 pitches, even if it's the postseason. Eventually, you're going to have to get in, into the into the bullpen a little bit. And that's where the Nationals, again, Doolittle's been great. Hudson has been particularly good. And they're both kind of great stories and real likable characters. But uh, they're eventually going to have to use some other guys. They didn't have to use other guys uh, in the Cardinal series. But in the World Series, they're going to have to. And I think that's the question is uh, how much of a load can all of those starters take in, in a series uh, as compact as that will be? Washington's first appearance in a World Series since 1933 when FDR said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, talking about the Depression. How good is this for baseball? Oh, it's great. It's, it's, certainly, it's a pretty a fantastic thing. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, one of the things, this Washington team is particularly fun. I, I, I find that they're full of, like, the obviously guys like Scherzer and Strasburg's a great story and, and Rendon. I think people are finally appreciating how great Anthony Rendon really is. People have not, kind of not noticed. Uh, I think he was overshadowed by Harper a little bit. Even though he's a bit you know, he was a better player than Harper. Uh, he's been overshadowed by them a little bit. And then Soto, I think, has become uh, people realizing that he was somewhat of a polarizing player. Some people like him and some, some people don't, but he's certainly a terrific player. The Nationals, uh, the, uh, the Nationals are just a really enjoyable team. Uh, and obviously that fan base, you know, it really wasn't that long at the beginning of this year. The Nationals were having trouble even – 
getting half their stadium filled. I think there were a lot of frustrations with their food and obviously the postseason troubles they had. That's completely turned around now. That Washington crowd is really as hot as any in baseball. Frankly, uh, they, they, you know, people talk about how great the Cardinals fans are, and I do think they are, but the Nationals clearly outclassed them. Uh, uh, there, there, were seats, there were empty seats at Bush Stadium in those first games one and two. There were not empty seats at Nationals Park. They they were feeling it was a really exciting thing. And I think it's going to remind us. It's been a while. I think the Nationals postseason frustration have kind of helped people. Maybe people forget kind of how exciting it can be when that team is playing really well. Uh, and uh, we, we've seen it now. It's going to be exciting to have them. You just feel bad for I mean, you, you feel, I guess, uh, it's maybe a hard thing to say to you guys, but you do feel a little bad for Seattle fans. And now the one team that has not uh, done really well, too, of course, they also have that postseason drought. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty happy. you you, you got to be happy for the Nationals fans. Uh, that, that That's a fun team. They clearly deserve to be there. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that there's only one team to have not been to the World Series all these years, and you think at one point they had all those great players in Seattle that that they couldn't get it done. But, yes, uh, they're on the clock. There is no doubt about it. And when I start thinking about Bryce Harper and I start thinking about big-name free agents, we saw this with Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols leaves St. Louis. The Angels haven't won anything. Cardinals continue to win. You know, the Nationals get rid of having to pay that big salary. Bryce Harper sits at home on his birthday while the Nationals are still celebrating going to the World Series. You know, you don't always have to sign the big free agent to keep the ball rolling. Yeah, you know, that's true to, to some point, though, to be fair. Uh, you know, the Nationals went out. They didn't sign Harper, but they did go out and sign Patrick Corbin, who was the top starter on the, uh, top, top starter on the market this year. And frankly, making a similar amount to what Harper is actually, I think that certainly everyone's kind of having a lot of fun at Harper's expense, and I understand that. Particularly with, with kind of the verbal mistake he said, where he's going to get DC back to the get DC to the World Series in his intro at the Phillies press conference. It's kind of fun to play with him a little bit of that, but like. You no, know, listen. The reason the Phillies are sitting home is not Bryce Harper. Like he actually had a, had a perfectly fine year. I think he did, did the best everything he could to get that team to the postseason. So I, I know it is kind of fun to dunk on Harper a little bit, and I understand that. But I would argue that uh, uh, it's not like people were really running off the Nationals before this season started. I mean, well, because Harper was gone, I think this was clearly a good team. And the be- I think the best thing that could have happened, uh, really, for the Nationals uh, with Harper leaving is having the focus finally be on just kind of how wonderful the player Anthony Rendon is. I, I know I keep going back to that, but he's been so good for so long, better than Harper, frankly, for the last five or six years. And we spent so much time talking about Harper. Now, to me, I'm very curious if Rendon ends up going to another team next year if they're like, okay, well, it's going to prove that they don't need free agents because they lose Rendon, because I think that's a guy they'd obviously like to keep around. Is your son more like Pele, Ronaldo? How do you compare your son to the greats in soccer? Uh, I would say he is more like, uh, we'll call him Pele when he was three. But my son is seven. So, <laughs> so he's working on it. He's working on it. He's doing the best he can. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. Uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> well, thank you for the time, for being uh, able to come on during his practice, and we'll talk to you during the World Series. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Will Lake from uh, MLB.com joining us here on A's Cast Live. Cool, he came on from his kid's soccer practice. Commander Cody, by the way, bring up that uh, Bryce Harper. So here is Bryce Harper. He's getting introduced. You know, we waited, we waited. When's Harper going to sign? When's Harper? So Bryce Harper finally signs with the Philadelphia Phillies. 
And this is down, and I can't remember where they train in Florida. You remember where they train in Florida? I'm going to take a wild guess and say it's Sarasota, Florida, because the Pirates are in Bradenton, and I know Sarasota's thrown around a lot. So hopefully it's that one. Could be Bradenton. It's, uh, at least we know it's Florida, so we got that right. I'm a Cactus League guy, so I don't know where they are. Uh, but here is Bryce Harper when he says, Scott, his guy Scott Boris with him. This is what he says, his first press conference with the Phillies. You know, we want to bring a title back to D.C. I want to be on Broad Street on a freaking boat or whatever <laughs> thing, bus, whatever it is, and, you know, have a trophy over my head and do that because that's what it's all about. Uh, oops. You know, we want to bring a title back to D.C. I want to. What? What? You're in Philly now. You want to. D.C., really? You know, we want to bring a title back to D.C. I... <laughs> On his birth. Today's his birthday, too. 27. Happy birthday, Bryce. Hey, I got to say. Hey, I got to say. These guys got big egos. We all got big egos, right? They won without you. They won without you. Your team didn't make it. Well, it's not his fault. Well, whatever. They won without you. By the way, coming up next, why they win without Bryce Harper. Wait till you hear Bryce Harper's numbers as a gnat in the postseason. We'll have that for you next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay. A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, before I break Commander Cody's will, Bryce, Har- Bryce Harper's time with the Nationals. They reached the postseason four times, but were unable to get beyond the NLDS, losing in five games three times, and 19 postseason games with the Nats. Bryce Harper hit 211, five home runs, 10 RBIs. And they move on without him. There's no way as a human being you don't you don't sit back and go, "Oh my god." There's no way. There's no way I mean you can sit there and you can feel, "Ah, you know, I'm so close to some of these guys, I feel happy, but they won without you." They got better without you. How do you as a professional not think you moved on and they're going to the World Series and you're sitting at home watching? It should affect you. He should be going out working out right now. He should be doing something. I know it would affect me. It bothered me. It, it, you know what? I do have a big ego. It bothered the hell out of me. If I if I got up and said, you know what? I'd rather go here because this place gives me a better chance. I'd rather have my family be here. I'd rather have my business be here. I'd rather have my brand be here. And then I turn around a year later and the and the and and the gal I left has now married better and her life's better and she's in the World Series 
and I'm sitting at home, it affect me. Bryce Harper, you were the best player. Addition by subtraction. I would not want that to be me. All right, Commander Cody. See, the commander, you don't get to see, like, when certain guys bring up certain things, like shifting or bullpenning. You know, he's a big Brian Kinney guy. He and Brian just think everything's about the bullpen. That everything is about the bullpen. Starting pitchers don't matter anymore. Wins and losses for starters don't win anymore. The only thing that matters is your bullpen. It's about bullpenning. That's the way to go. He was secretly, I know for a fact, rooting for the Rays. Because he loves how the Rays do everything differently. Because certain people... They don't like the standard things. They want to think they're smarter than everybody and they want to change the game. And the game changes, there's no question. But there are staples in the game that cannot change. That long-term will not change. For example, football. You know, there was, I joke all the time, you know, there was a time where they didn't throw the football. There was no such thing as the forward pass. The game evolves. One thing that will never change are the basics of sports. All the best teams that you see in professional football can block and tackle. I know that seems simplistic, but if you can't block, you can't tackle, and you can't win the turnover margin, you're not going to win. I don't care what offense you run. I don't care what defense you run. If you can't block, you can't tackle the fundamental of the game, you're not going to do well. I mean, it's just a reality. You can run spread. You can have five guys wide. You can, There's all kinds. Hey, you can still line up a couple tight ends like John Gruden likes to do. There's all these different things. You can run play action, however you play defense. You want to play zone D. You want to play back. And just rush four guys. You want to do all-out blitz. You, whatever you want to do schematically, you fundamentally still need to block and tackle and win the turnover battle. It's football. Well, in baseball, everybody wants to change everything, which I have no problem with. I think metrics are very important. I think metrics are not important for finding stars. Stars... That has been my point since we started the show. Stars, stars numbers are good whether you go traditional or you go sabermetrics. Like, like, right? Like Henry Aaron's numbers or Babe Ruth's numbers or, or whoever, Ted Williams or Willie Mays, their numbers are going to be great no matter how you look at it. Metrics are not there to find you stars. Metrics are there to find you players that can help you, that you might find something in – one metric or maybe a couple metrics where they, you can value this player and realize, okay, by finding that metric, which, by the way, these guys aren't using metrics anymore. They have all this new data that they're – it's oh, changed, but I'm just going to play with it. That you can look at these certain metrics to show value of a player, and if, well, if I utilize them this, this way, he can help me win games. All right. 
Commander. Are you ready? That was the longest build-up to to ruin my life I've ever experienced. So, yes, this better um, come through. Townie 7 is the metric. Townie 7. We've developed a new metric that Bill James is going to adopt. What is the numbers of a starting pitcher in the 2019 postseason when he goes at least seven innings? If I had to go off the top of my head, I'd say they, they haven't lost. Now, you would say to me before we started this show that a starter's record doesn't matter. But you just said if he goes seven innings, he's probably undefeated. Yes, but there's always outliers. What if Garrett Cole pitched well yesterday and the bullpen blew it for him? Did he Was he still bad? Are we going to say he wasn't good? because he? No, but you know what? He wouldn't have lost. He, true, he wouldn't have lost, but the team could have. So... Yeah, but you know what? You know what stats show? They normally don't. Starting pitchers in this year's postseason, if you go seven, starters are nine and one with a 0.62 ERA. Who's the outlier? Who's the one? Uh, Flaherty, who gave up three runs. Yeah, hack. That's why he's not playing anymore. That's, that's incredible. and It just goes to show, because what happens is, and we were talking about this for our free lunch here at Jack London, as I had the, uh, my wife is asking me, where are you? Uh, yes, I had the barbecue chicken, you had the Caesar salad. Caesar. Caesar, chicken Caesar. We had salads today. Maybe they're trying to tell us something. So, when you only require the bullpen to get six outs, you're using your best bullpen, guys. And this is why I'd love to have the debate with Brian Kenny. Because what happens when you're requiring six relievers to pitch in the game? Do you really think all six are going to be great? The odds are one's going one's gonna to screw the pooch, right? Well, the Yankees used nine the other day. Nine. Yeah, okay, you're going to use nine relievers. You don't think one or two are going to be off their game? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always going to happen. When you're using nine guys, especially if it's you're It's the start, odds, right? Especially if your starter only goes two and a third. I mean, you can't bank on your bullpen being nails for seven and two-thirds innings. Or now, now six I, and two-thirds. I ran into a front office person for the A's today, and I gave him this. He goes, yeah, but, but, but. You know, look at the guys that are going seven. You know, these are really great players. Okay, I'll give you that. But you know what? You're not conditioning your players to do it. Hell, give me six. Condition your guys to go six during the regular season, and then maybe they can give you six or seven in the postseason. But when you baby your guys throughout the season – Oh, you know, you know what's changed this postseason by a lot? Percentage of the bullpen use. Last year, almost 50% of the innings were pitched by bullpen because everybody was like, bullpen, 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 bullpen. It's dropped. It's gone from 49.7% all the way. This is a huge drop, 42.3. That's where we talk about how 
The game is always changing and being reevaluated. I can't wait to see next season. How many teams are really going to be able to say, you know what? If the A's do, they may be making the same mistake because they put so much on their bullpen back-to-back years, and it failed them. Do you know, do you know any pitchers, uh, how many pitches off the top of your head Garrett Cole threw yesterday? Hundred and He had five change. walks. So he had 112 pitches. Yeah. I think every start this year he's gone, in the postseason he's gone over 100 pitches. I went through and looked at the list you sent me of the guys that threw the most pitches this year. Do you know who threw the most pitches in a game this year? It's, let me guess, 123. Uh, close. As Mike Fires is no hitter. He had 131. And then if you look that at the, was the list, most this year. Yeah. Oh my, that's so soft. And then if you look, go down the list and look, the guy that was on there the most, Trevor Bauer, had like 120 pitches like three or four times. And then it's just like Adam Wainwright's on there. The Mike Miner start where he went, he had to throw 127 pitches to get the nine strikeouts to get 200, and you know they they dropped the fly ball for or a foul ball so he can get it, but. This, you're seeing it now with Verlander and Cole. These guys are going deeper in the playoffs, and that's we remember how long we were saying, "Well, Garrett Cole hasn't pitched in the eighth inning." Well, the guy's been incredible since what was it, May twenty fourth, and you're seeing why. Now in the postseason, he's throw, he's going deep into games, and he's got. I love that metric because we talked about this weeks ago how the Tony seven was something you need to look at because you know everyone knows I'm Mister Outlier and I'm going to throw Drake, Jacob Degrom out there every time because. He is That's, the outlier, but he's done it two years this in a year. row. Wasn't this year? Uh, his ERA, if, he, if he went seven, he pretty much won. And his ERA blew up to like two point five two or something. He awful from last year. But if he went seven, he usually won. It it, it is it, it lit, like what was the the last time we checked it? If an A's pitcher went seven innings, the team was sixteen and four. Yeah, those well, it was because I think we looked at it towards the end of the season, and I can't remember how. I mean, I, I doubt that many guys really went seven from the from the time we added that up. Well, yeah, and Manaya didn't go. The you know Manaya didn't last very long in the wild card game, so that didn't really account into that. You know, I'll go look it up, but it's going to be something I harp on now. And I did it with uh, one of the A's front office guys today. It's like it, you know, you can't, you you just can't see, you can't, you can't expect to win. Do you want to win the World Series? That'll be my question. Well, if Jesus Cesardo's only going five, I don't think that can happen. If A.J. Puck's only going five, don't think it can happen. If Mike Fires is only going five or six, it's not going to happen. Look at the team. By the way, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of these starts are either by a national or by an Astro. Who's going to the World Series? Uh, by the way, I wanted to bring this up to you. Um, how great would it be to see Cole Verlander versus Strasburg and, and Max Scherzer? That's incredible. You got two guys are teammates and Scherzer and Verlander in, in Detroit, and then you have the two younger guys, but younger twenty nine and what thirty one and Strasburg and Cole. But that'd be a great one two matchup in the in this World Series. I'm hoping that happens. If we get there, if this happens, and yes, I am rooting for the Astros because I hate the Yankees. Like I don't have, even though the Astros are in the A's division. And I should be like I have no reason to root against them. I can't stand the Yankees. Did you see Yankee fan last night? Multiple like even after they lost and they're like FS1 is panning to them and they're like hey, it's like shut up. Uh, Reddick was mad because they were throwing debris on the field like after the everything happened. I don't like the Yankees. It's just the way it is. So, and plus I, I think it'll be about. 
The Yankees don't have starting pitching. What do the Yankees rely on going into this postseason? The bullpen. And what's what's not doing it for them? The bullpen. You want the number? Here's the number for you. Uh, da, 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 da. Yankees relievers have thrown 28.2 innings this postseason compared to 26.1 by the starters. It doesn't work. It doesn't work on a consistent basis. Put it this way. If you could quickly, before we get to buying or selling, show me teams that had the most bullpen innings. As now we have taught Commander Cody how to use baseball reference, as we have bought him the we've bought him baseball reference to get inside. Oh, he's gonna go to fan graphs. You want the you want innings pitched by bullpens, right? Because the yes. Rays led baseball. Exactly. And I and the Rays got to the playoffs. Are they an outlier? I want to see the other teams that use their bullpen the most in Major League Baseball and how did they fare? Is it the better teams in the game? Is it the outliers? Who is it? Who are the teams that use the bullpen the most? So the Rays are number one. They had 772 innings pitched by the relievers. So they lead by a lot. So then you got the uh, the Angels. Stink. You have the Blue Jays. Stink. Mariners. Stink. Brewers. Good. Uh, Red Sox. Eh. Yankees. Good. <laughs> Orioles. Stink. Tigers. Stink. Rangers. Stink. Um, Pirates. Stink. Giants. Stink. Padres. Awful. Rockies. Awful. D-backs. Eh. They're five over five hundred. Phillies. Eh. Oakland. Bullpen stunk. Uh, the Braves. See what I'm saying? The majority of these teams that use their bullpen the most are not good. You know who was dead last in innings for relievers? Uh, team going to the World Series? Yeah. They also had the worst bullpen in the regular season, too, which is crazy, ERA-wise. Astros only use their bullpen 24th most in baseball. Dodgers. Okay, so the team that won 107 games only used their bullpen 24th most. The team that won 106, the Dodgers, they were just 27th in innings pitched by their bullpen. I mean, come on. Look at the Cardinals. I mean, it's just – the Indians are on there, too. The Indians were second least at 507. I I have a feeling after this season, the way it has gone, now unless it's the baseball's fault, I think we're going to see a change. I think you're going to see a change where it's like, okay, the Rays, that's great. but and, and, and really, the Yankees, the only reason the Yankees are on that list is because of injuries. And I don't and 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 if you give me a full year of Blake Snell, a Tyler Glass now, and Charlie Morton next year for the Rays, I bet you they're not number one in bullpen usage. I think the teams that you see go go back up to the top. The reason why these teams, the good teams that are actually in this list, which is really only and the Brewers would be the same way, it's because you had guys that are hurt. There were three playoff teams in the top ten. Three. Because the Red Sox didn't make it, they had a five hundred over five hundred year, but other than that, all the teams stunk. The Angels pitching staff, uh, they had the worst starting rotation ERA in baseball. The Are Blues- you going to tell me, as a guy that came into doing A's Cast Live, you came in a pro bullpen guy? Are you still buying that? I still think bullpens are going to be a big part next year, but I think you're right; it's going to go down because you're seeing how guys are being. And the Rays are the one we're going to are the Rays the outlier because we saw how good their bullpen was this year. 
And we mentioned it a few times already that we need to watch them closely and see how much their usage and how much these guys either excel or struggle next year because they've been used so much. How many innings is, is you know, Oliver Drake used to throwing and Diego Castillo and all the guys they have coming. Brandon McKay, who's a, who's a two-way player. Like, these guys they have coming out. Chaz Rowe, like – it, I just I don't I want to see how many innings these guys go next year because they're they're they were used to this year but maybe they take a step back and you hope to see Blake Snell healthy again and win twenty games like he did when he won the Cy Young Charlie Morton to pitch as well as he, as well as he did a, a healthy as much as I don't want to say it and see it Tyler Glass now but they're the team you have to watch next year for sure. Well, if you can get close to a hundred innings out of your three guys, they're not going to need the bullpen the way they did. The only way you use your bolt, like two years ago, the A's, the only reason they needed it. Why did the A's have so many, you know, the only the A's dropped to 17 was at some point they're like, we can't be going to our bullpen. Like there wasn't that many guys Bob actually felt comfortable in. And these bullpens year to year, the A's bullpen taught us everything. One year, lights out. You had one of the greatest years in the history of a reliever. And then it all fell apart the next year. A guy went from being potential Cy Young winner to could be non-tendered in the offseason. All right, quickly. God, do we even want to do this with Kirk Gibson? Do you have it? So yesterday, this day in baseball history, 1988, game one of the World Series, this happened. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. And now the only question was, could he make it around the base paths unassisted? All right. So yesterday in my MLB notes, a guy that was a part of the broadcast, he was a statistician for Vin Scully, and Joe Garagiola for that game. You know whose fault this was? It was X's fault. Kirk Gibson was hurt. And he writes this, flashback to the 1988 World Series Game 1. Kirk Gibson hobbles to the plate in what would be an eight-pitch at-bat. On the eighth pitch with a 3-2 count, I always thought it was a 2-2 count, X threw a backdoor slider. Quote, we even went over it in the meeting before the game. You're not supposed to throw him breaking balls. He knew he couldn't get to the fastball. Kurt was too hurt to plant on and turn on Eckersley on his fastball, but he got a slider. So even the broadcasters, everybody before the game knew if, if, if he comes in, his lower body's shot, he can't hit a fastball. What does Eck do? He throws him a slider, and the rest is history. But even the, everybody in the broadcast booth went, uh, don't throw him a breaking ball, and that's exactly what he did. He won the MVP that year. Do you, you ever look at his stats that year? 25 home runs, 70 high 70s RBIs. 72, uh, 25 and 76, very good. A 290 batting average was not an all star and won the MVP that year. But was he the most valuable player? 
It was his first year in L.A. He wasn't the most – in L.A. He led L.A., and when that team had talent, but was he the most valuable? He wasn't the best statistical, but what is, was he the most valuable? I'd have to go back and see what other guys are up for the MVP that year. Because Jose won in the AL, obviously. And then Kevin Mitchell won the next year. Strawberry had a big year. But let's get to buying or selling as we wind down here. By the way, we're live tomorrow. Don't forget, 1 to 4 on a Thursday, getting you ready for game four of Yankees Astros. It's time for buying or selling. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. So this list I just did earlier, it's going to have to be trimmed down to now seven managers, but there are now seven managerial jobs open in Major League Baseball. And some of the names out there are pretty big, according to Mike Lupica of the MLB.com now and usually used to be of the New York Daily News. Joe Girardi, Mike Sosha, John Farrell, Dusty Baker. I'm going to throw Bruce Bochy out there because I still think he's not done. Uh, Eduardo Perez, whose name has surfaced as the potential next manager of the Padres. So Lubica wrote that he thinks that this is the best manager free agent class of all time. Buying or selling that this is the best manager free agent class of all time. I am really not prepared to answer that. <laughs> I, I I would have to I would have to A buck shoulder can be added to that list too. I mean I guess I would have to buy because I mean look at Girardi, so I mean all these guys have won a title except Dusty Baker yep, that Farrell, you threw at me. Yep. Oh Buck Shoulder never won one either. Oh yeah, well he he's not on the list. Yeah, he's not. Oh Gabe Cowper you can add to the list too if you want. He's going to be a manager I guess again. I'll buy, but I just don't have the knowledge. Like, I don't know, like, who was, who was up in 83? Who was, a, who was the free agent manager when Connie Mack was around? We don't know. Who was the free agent manager in 92? I don't know. But you know what? For the sake of this game, I will buy. So, remember a few years ago when everyone was up in arms, probably us included, about the Yankees getting Giancarlo Stanton from Derek Jeter for pretty much nothing. In that trade, the Yankees sent Starlin Castro, Jose Devers, and Jorge Guzman and Cat, and they're going to pay thirty million of the remaining, or they're only, yeah, the Yankees took on all but thirty million of the remaining two ninety five on the deal for John Carlos Stanton back then. After the season, the Yankees still owe John Carlo eight years, two hundred and fourteen million dollars. His first year with the Yankees, he hit two, he hit thirty eight home runs and hit almost three hundred. It was a great first year in the Bronx. This year, he's been injury plagued. He only hit three home runs, and he's been replacing the lineup the, the past few games and been booed. By Yankee fans. Buying or selling, the Marlins made the right move trading Giancarlo Stanton. I'm going to have to buy. I mean, just getting rid of that money, he didn't play this year. It's a lost year. And I just got a feeling that staying healthy is going to be a major issue for him. And for the Marlins, how old is he? Uh, he's close to 30. He might be 30 now. If not, he's 29, going to be 30. I mean, how many more great years are you going to get out of him? Uh, well, it's an AL, so he'll DH. So you probably, you're hoping maybe eight at the most, but probably five. Eight? I'd say five. You think he'll be good for the next five years? Mm. He just didn't play well, for def- an define, entire year. Define good. like Living up to his contract. Oh, absolutely not. I think, yeah, he's, I think no. he's serviceable for five years. I think for the Marlins, they got out of this deal, and... Folks, 
You don't want to sign guys into their 30s and late 30s. You just don't. In the steroid era, it worked. These guys are not on steroids anymore, so it doesn't work. Guys don't get better as they get older, especially when they get to their mid-30s. You want the name on the back of the jersey. You love it. But from a baseball standpoint, hey, listen, Bryce Harper moved on. They spent the money somewhere else. They're in the World Series. How many World Series did the Angels win? Zero. I mean, uh, yeah, zero with the Angels. You think people in St. Louis, hey, they applaud him. Remember when he went there and he got all those standing ovations? Bottom line is, St. Louis was better off not having Albert Pools. So, Garrett Cole is on one hell of a run this postseason, as we've talked about Agnosium. Currently in this postseason, he is 3 0 with a well, .40 ERA and has 32 Ks and 22 innings pitched. Cole is trying to become the third pitcher in the modern era to have 400 strikeouts in a season, including the postseason. The other two guys, Randy Johnson with 419 in 2001, and Sandy Koufax with 411 in 1965. The Astros are also 3-0 in the games that he started this year. Madison Bumgarner, who some say, when I say some, I mean Giants fans say, is the greatest October pitcher of all time. He went 4-1 with a 103 ERA and a 52 innings pitch in that 2014 World Series around the Giants. Bumgarner also had a save, and he started in the wildcard game, so he already had an extra start on Garrett Cole. The Giants went on to win the World Series, and they finished 6-1 in the games Bumgarner appeared and started. Buying or selling Garrett Cole will be a better postseason pitcher than Madison Bumgarner. Selling. It's got to do it more than one time. Madison Bumgarner's done it three different World Series. I got to give credit where credit is due. He's got three rings. He pitched as a young kid, pitched well against the Rangers in 2010, 2012, absolute hero in 2014. Cole hasn't even won the World Series yet. What are you? Are you saying the... Are you saying it's for sure that the Astros are going to win the World Series? I don't know. We'll see. But I, I, I want to see him have the 400 strikeouts, though. I think that's pretty a pretty cool accomplishment. I don't think he's going to get there, but because he only had, I think, seven yesterday with five walks. I, just the run he's on right now since May 22nd, he's, what, 19-1 and one with, like, a 168 ERA and, like, 265 strikeouts. That's unheard of. But I'm, I'm going to sell it, too, with you. And I, I think Bumgarner will, he's, has the longevity of doing it. But Cole, if he keeps this up, he pitched well in Pittsburgh when he pitched in the postseason, too. He had a bad game, two in the ALCS last year. But, yeah, I, I take Bumgarner also. So, Bryce Harper put it to be, put it best at the beginning of the season. We want to bring a title back to D.C. Well, the Nats uh, are going to the World Series without Bryce Harper. They only had to wait 50 years to reach the World Series and became the first team ever in all four major sports to make the championship round for the first time in their 50th chance. The only team in baseball that hasn't reached the World Series, the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners started in 1977 to reach the ALS three times, including their 116 win season in 01. The Mariners haven't made the playoffs since 2001. Buying or selling the Seattle Mariners will reach the World Series before Bryce Harper. Selling. I don't know. (laughs) They're going into rebuild mode. Philly's not, so I'm selling. I'll go Harper gets in there first. Oh, wow, that's good luck. So I'm just going to ask a follow-up because this one's kind of – it's with Bryce Harper. Well, we saw Bryce Harper leave. We saw guys like Juan Soto and take off. Victor Robles had a nice year. The Phillies went 81-81, Bryce Harper's first year at the team. So buying or selling, the Nationals would have reached the World Series this year with Bryce Harper. Yeah, I'd buy that. But you think they would have? They wouldn't have been as good, or they may have not got a Corbin. 
They want to go on Corbin, and they want to Victor Robles, who is, is a very good defender. Adam Eaton's had a really nice run lately. I still remember that Bryce Harper. Oh, hey, the NLCS MVP, Howie Kendrick, did they get him if they have Bryce Harper? But you know what? Maybe I'll sell because the chemistry wouldn't have been the same. Did I say chemistry? You don't believe in chemistry. So we just mentioned Kirk Gibson. In 1960, Hall of Famer Bill Mazeroski hit a walk-off home run in Game 7 of the World Series versus the Yankees to give the Pirates their third World Series title. Mazeroski hit the home run off Ralph Terry of the Yankees. In 88, against the A's, Kirk Gibson hit the home run off Dennis Eckersley in Game 1 of the World Series. In 1993, Joe Carter hit a walk-off in Game 6 versus Mitch Williams in the Phillies. Wow, thing. And in 2003, Aaron Boone hit the walk-off on this date versus the Red Sox and Tim Wakefield. Buying or selling Kirk Gibson's home run is the most iconic in postseason history. I'm going to sell. I still think it's Joe Carter's. It was a walk-off. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Yeah, I'm going to sell, too. I think it's Bill Mazeroski. He did in Game 7 of the World Series. And I'm not putting Pirates bias in this. I wasn't even around. My, my dad wasn't even born yet. It was what? a big home run. It got him into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Ford's Field will never – well, Ford's Field's not there anymore, but that was a big home run, and as you put it, those other ones were on TV and Maz was on radio, but the radio call by Tom Prince was incredible. So that's all I have for buying or selling today. All right, well, what do we got tomorrow? We're back on tomorrow from 1 to 4. So we're going to have – live, and we're doing this because Friday I leave for Green Bay – with the greatness of the Raiders, a rematch of what was it, Super Bowl three? What the Packers and Raiders? Yeah, it was either Super Bowl two. I think it was a it was Super Bowl two. I'd have to look. I just remember the Packers winning the first Super Bowl. It was against the Raiders. I think it was the second or the third. Wasn't the first one against the Chiefs? That's why I think it might be the second because Super Bowl three, I think, was uh, the Jets and the Colts and Joe Willie. So they was Super Bowl two. Let me hold. On, let me let me hold. On, we got some time. Yeah, you can you hear I'll buy some up. Joe Willie Namath, the pride of Western Pennsylvania, wins the Super Bowl there. So tomorrow we're gonna have Ryan Rucco, who call, calls Yankee games on the Yes Network. Bob Nightingale. We're gonna have Dave Cavill on for the build. We'll, and we'll, Super Bowl two at the Miami Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida. The Packers. We're favored by 13 and a half points. The anthem was played by the Grambling University Band. The final. The Packers would beat the Oakland Raiders 33-14. to 14. Vince Lombardi with another championship. And your MVP was the Hall of Famer, Bart Starr. Also, Rob Arthur tomorrow. Who wrote the article for Baseball Perspectives about the baseball being different? We're talking about juice balls or de-juiced balls. Find that out tomorrow. We're going to have former A, and who knows what his career could have been like if he didn't get hurthy. Jared Parker will be on the show. Oh, he's a good dude. I haven't heard, you know, last time I saw him when he was walking out the building for the last time. He's uh, only like, I think he's like 20 days younger than me, so we're both 30-year-old 30 30 year guys. He's in Nashville. He'll be on tomorrow. What's he doing in Nashville? Uh, he runs some performance center there, I believe, but he's just, I don't know, he's kind of doing his own thing. It looks like he's doing some other things, other sports that aren't baseball that he does recreationally for fun. And he also helped um, our Nathan Patterson, the player that the A's signed from the radar gun thing. Oh, really? He, yeah, he apparently had some work, he done some, did some work with him earlier in the, uh, in the season. Nice. 
That's all tomorrow, 1 to 4, right here on A's Cast Live. We are going to replay this whole great show for you, and we'll see you tomorrow from 1 to 4. Have a great night, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.